In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 245. That's right, we are going to be talking about... Green Lantern Corps, Edge of Oblivion, number three. Telos, number six. Green Lantern, number 50. And Sinestro, number 21. Um, these are the comics, Lantern-related comics from DC for the month of March. That's right. We're on top of shit over here on the Lantern Cast. <laughs> and now blaming you, but if not for the fact that you were away, we probably would have had this done a week earlier. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. Uh, in especially April, I uh, because of the way we're recording things, I don't think there will be any sort of issue with posting. But uh, just in case there is, heads up, my little sister is getting married on April twenty third. Uh, so a few days before and a few days after that, maybe the week before uh, that, it was going to be really crazy. Plus, I turned twenty nine on April sixth. So, you know, uh, April is going to be a bit of a crazy month for me personally. Um, this past weekend, I was actually gone for the bachelor party. So there's that. <laughs> so lots of stuff in pre- pre- preparation for my sister's wedding. But, uh, you know, it's my sister's wedding. So sorry to all you listeners out there, but she comes first. <laughs> we understand. <laughs> So first up, we are tackling Green Lantern Corps Edge of Oblivion number three. I'm taking this one so uh, Mark can stew in his parallax misplaced uh, passion, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> first up, we've got writer Tom Taylor, artist Ethan Van Skyver, colors by Jason Wright, letters by Dave Sharp, cover by Van Skyver and Wright, assistant editor Andrew Marino, editor Mike Cotton, and group editor Eddie Berganza. We opened up in the past. On the planet Betrassus, long ago. And we see... Uh, how old do you think she looks here? Maybe seven, eight? Somewhere in that age, yeah. Okay. So we see Iolande on her home planet of Betrassus, uh, and she's complaining that her legs are tired. Uh, and her father with her says, you know, well, they're, only legs you have, they're the only legs you'll have, so you have to keep using them. And she says, I shouldn't have to walk. I'm a princess. He says, you are a princess, and that is exactly why you will walk. One day you could rule this world. If the people see the ruler as weak, then they feel weak. You are a symbol, Iolande. A symbol does not crumple on the ground and complain. No matter how tired, no matter how pain, the people come first. Do you understand? She stands up and she says she does. He says, good, now I'm going to carry you. She says, wait, what? Why? She says, or he says, because I know you are willing, because I know you understand, but mostly because your legs hurt and you're my princess. 
And then we cut back to the universe we are in now in the Edge of Oblivion. And Iolande is leading a group of Green Lanterns uh, towards the green light at the distant edge of the universe. That is, of course, Mogo shining the light. All the other Lanterns saying they need to, they need to rest. They, they've been going for days. Uh, and, and and she says it gets further. Uh, it's still days away. Which we, we have to keep going. And she says, however, and she puts a bubble around all the other lanterns, and she and she says, we have to keep going, but you are all tired, so rest. I will carry you. And keeps on flying. So a good use of a flashback as opposed to Lost Army, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> How about that for once? Um, so there you go. Uh, now over on um, uh, Perduron, we see uh, Dismas being carried out uh, – Carried by several lanterns, Guy, Salak, uh, among them, uh, towards uh, Asuras. She checks up on him. She says, let me take him. Guy walks off, and uh, John asks him what happened. Kilowog comes walking up back behind Guy and punches Guy uh, out in return for her last issue. John separates them. Kilowog screaming, you think you can get away with striking commanding officer? And he says, when your commands lead to the death of two of my friends, I think we're way past striking. I think I can grab whatever part of your giant pink body is the most sensitive and squeeze till something bursts. And they face off, try it, and John says to knock it off. We need to stand together. And, you know, obviously they have an audience of all the uh, Perdurans uh, watching all this go off. And then um, 2 6 says, You said the death of two of your friends. And he says, Yeah, you should ask my quote unquote commanding officer all about it as he walks off. Uh, he's floating up above the last city, uh, and Asura shows up and says that Dismas will live, and she sort of commiserates with, uh, with him about, uh, what's been going on and, you know, recognizes his anger and all this stuff. He says, this isn't my world, this isn't even my universe or my time, this universe has to die for mine to exist. Uh, he says, these people have murdered three of my friends, so I don't really care what they need. Uh, and he... They, they come to the realization together that he has to destroy Marniel. Um, and the group of lanterns together with Asuras starts talking about this, and said, John says, Mogo and Perduron has been, uh, have been talking. Uh, and uh, uh, what was her name? The one that can mimic all the other lanterns' abilities? Oh, God. I don't, I don't remember off the top yeah. of my head. She says, it's nice to know Mogo has a friend. Uh, oh God, I should know his name. Uh, he's a well-known lantern. Shit. Yeah, the guy wouldn't want, didn't want to use the constructs. Yeah, uh, so he says, from what I understand... Oh, her name is Zril. It's right there. <laughs> from what I understand, Zril, they're not friends. And the guy says, great, Mogo finally needs another sent, sentient planet, and it turns out to be an ass. <laughs> 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 and uh, they, they report that Perduran says the universe is dying, and soon, and in four days. <laughs> uh, convenient, we've got three issues uh, <laughs> left. Um, it's already starting to pull apart at the seams, but it'll implode in four days. And uh, Asura says, with the universe collapsing, the walls of this existence will be weakened. Somewhere out there, I'm sure there are there is an escape. Somewhere out there, part of this universe will be leaking into something else. Uh, John says, you'll need to spread in every direction, and you will be alone. Uh, despite the pressure, you will all need to complete focus. Your rings will need to scan massive sections of space searching for anomalies. Mogul will continue to, to light to shine to light the way back. And Simon says, well, we can't leave this place undefended, especially with the attacks from within. 
Salak says no. John says Asuras has suggested Salak and I keep a small force here to protect the last city with her. We have agreed. Uh, Salak says, but all other lanterns are to take a section of space and begin searching for escape. If you don't find anything, return in three days regardless. Find salvation. So, all the lanterns who are not stationed on uh, Perduron fly off to do what they're told. Uh, Guy stays behind along with Simon, 2-6, Zrill, and Kilowog volunteers for a mission as well. They go to find Marniel to take the fight to her. Um, he says, Asura said the city was be- below one of the entrances, are, uh, but the entrances are hitting. And Kilowog says he's not in the mood for a long search. Guy says he isn't either, so they start drilling into Paduron straight down. They do, and as soon as they get down, they are faced by armed uh, aliens who start shooting at them. They immediately defend themselves, start taking them on. Uh, we, you know, don't knock in all of them out. We need to question him to find Marniel. Marniel is there. She says, you found me, release my people. He says, yeah, that's not how this bit works. Um, she says, those people are under my protection. You have no idea what you're dealing with. I have survived everything. I am the last of my people. And I hold the power of everyone who came before me. So she releases these um, ghost constructs, maybe? Uh, of uh, looks like beings from her race. They come screaming out of her uh, to go up against the lanterns. Their power rings have no effect on them, and neither does physical attack. Uh, they shoot Marniel. She releases more of them. They all fall to the ground. Guy hits uh, ground in front of her. She takes his web, uh, his ring. He says, you will never be worthy of that ring, you. And then all of a sudden, she puts it on her finger, reprogramming, reprogramming Marniel of error. You are capable of error. Overcoming great fear. Welcome to the error core. And she says, you have no idea. And the ring lights up, and she is wearing a Green Lantern costume. And next, fear the fight. Man, guys, it is undies. That's right. Well, what'd you think? It was alright. It was... I'm being really curious to see how how I and how we react to this book going forward, when since we won't be having Ethan on this book anymore. <laughs> I will see if that makes a difference, because uh, it certainly has been one of the high points of this book, having having his art, because the story is not exactly all in, all encompassing here. Uh, there are some things that I find, you know, that were interesting. I I, I think that you know I like I like I think overall, and we've discussed this before. I think Guy come, has come across pretty well. And, yeah, and this, this is a good guy book. For yes, sure. this is in the, this has certainly been a better guy book than than Lost Army was a was a John book. <laughs> True. Uh, I still I that one little that one little panel of when after Guy says you know Marniel I have to destroy Marniel when but Osrus over there goes and then we can all be safe. She just looks so completely untrustworthy in that panel. Yeah, she has a, she has the Emperor Palpatine look about her face like a, and 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 then and then and then there will be peace, you know, after Order sixty six, that kind of thing. So it's that kind of look. She, so I'm I'm still kind of curious to see what's go, how yeah. this is all going to play out. But I still don't trust them. Yeah, I don't I don't trust I don't trust them at all either. And it just seems I, I understand the idea of trying to save this planet, and I think it's and it's noble and everything. But but if you really only have three days left in the entire universe, and your and your primary goal is to get your asses back to the universe where you belong in, I mean. It, I don't know. It seems like 
I know they're trying to allow time for everything. It's like, oh, okay, try to find a way out and not come back there. Why? I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. It's the the Ayalande part was good, as we mentioned. It was a good use of a flashback of showing something that happens to a character and how, like, a lesson learned and how they and how it affects them going forward. So, but it's okay. It's good. I think the art to me is still the best part of this book. It's still incredibly disappointing through three issues, and if it doesn't happen in the next issue, we can almost take it to the bank. Uh, that we're, if we, that we, if, even if we do see some of this, it's going to be very little, and that's the fact that we still have seen nothing to tie into Lost Army. Uh, I think issue four is kind of where if it doesn't start tying into Lost Army, then it's probably not going to. Uh, and that's gonna, and this that will ultimately suck. You know, any any enthusiasm there is, at least on my end, for this. Uh, this miniseries that'll suck that enthusiasm right out if we don't get any tie-in to Krona and to Relic and everything. Maybe we will at the very last issue because again, I think like the first three issues of this series might have been the ones that were at least written before. At least maybe not the third issue because we know Ethan just finished the art on this not that long ago. So maybe the third issue was written after Lost Army had completely you know come out and everything. But if this doesn't tie in by, you know, at least by the end, of, by issue four, the end of issue four, on, on like the last page or a cliffhanger on the splash page, then not, this could very well turn out to just leave you completely high and dry about all the stuff that, some of the, the good stuff anyway, that they touched on in Lost Army that they made you curious about, and they're just going to leave it hanging potentially. And that would make, no matter how good this is, to me that would suck, and suck the life right out of it if we don't, if it's just like two separate miniseries that, that only have one thing in common, is that they're, and the universe before ours, and that's the only thing they have in common. <laughs> but that's about all I have to say about it. Um, I, again, I like the art in it. Um, I said this on another episode a long time ago, but obviously this time I'll make it much shorter. Um, if anybody out there is able, uh, able and capable of doing those PNG files, there's only a couple of them. Uh, if you're willing to do that, that'd be awesome. Appreciate it. Lanterncast at gmail.com. That would just be, of course, the, the, the part where, uh, Guy is floating over the last city when uh, Asuras approaches him. That's a really great shot of Guy. Um, there's that image of Salak, that top half portion of Salak there. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. And of course, you've got um, this image. What is his name? Why is it when they're all flying away from Perdura on that lantern with the metal stuff on his arms and legs? That's a really great shot of uh, of a good of a good lantern. But like I said, the the, the art is is great throughout this. Um, it's you know what I'm thinking. In addition to it being a good guy piece, it's a good core. Yes, it is. Um, the that's another thing. The guardians are nowhere to be found still. Uh, yes, which is irritating. That, yes, um, it's it, it, it's very irritating. And if that and and you can and unless they show up like at the very end of issue six, that's that I feel even the more confident about that we're not going to see the Templar guardians unless they're going to show up in like Green Lantern fifty two too. But that's been they've been they've been gone for almost a year and it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, um, and by a good core piece, I mean like you you see some infighting, but you see them step up and rise above it without a leadership type structure. Um, you know, in in a, a long time ago, you know, it was the Guardians, and then it was Hal was their leader, and and all this other stuff. Well, I mean, they don't really have a leader. Nobody appointed John a leader. Um, Kilowog is a commanding officer, sure, and so is Salik, but they none of them really, ever, really, 
outrank each other. And plus, they have so much history and respect for one another. I don't feel like any one of them would be like, hey, I'm in charge, you know, of the entire core. But we're going to do what I say. I think it's I think it's good. You don't it's not like you have a voting process here going on when they decide what to do. But you can really clearly tell that that John and Salak have been talking you know, and maybe a couple of other people were involved in the decision too. I mean, not just obviously Asuras uh, or Osiris, however, however you're supposed to say her name. Um, but you know, Mogo is communicating with Perduron. He's transmitting that image over that uh, information over to Salak and John. Salak and John are helping make a decision. They present that information over to the core. Um, and the core, I mean, they don't really debate it, but you know, like they they have time to ask questions, uh, not questions plural, because you only get Simon saying, "Well, we just can't leave this planet undefended." Uh, but it's it's very clear that they're listening to each other, so that's cool. I I really like that. Uh, and then of course you've got the lanterns. No, nobody seems to disagree with it, so they all say, "Well, shit, this universe is going to end in four days. We don't really have time to argue." So they just kind of. They think it's a good plan, so they go off and they do it, as the Green Lantern Corps should. You know, the Green Lantern Corps is all about protecting the universe. Uh, this may not be their universe, but they're all about protecting the universe, so it's nice to see them come up with a plan of their own, implement it, and do it. You know, so that's cool. That's a, that's a good point. That is that is a very valid point. Um, otherwise... Uh... I don't know. Uh, I'm just really the only other comment I would say is I'm really uh, intrigued by the color scheme they went with for uh, for Marniel's ghost things. It's very paling esque, don't you think? Yeah, there is a certain element of that. But you know, that's also a common color used for ghosts, anyways. So, but we'll see. Uh, I think we'll figure out more about her as we go, but I don't. Who's on Art Tours from now on out? I don't know. Did they announce who, who, who was taking over? I don't. Shit, I, I don't didn't know. think that they had. Yeah. You think they would because it's coming out next month, but I don't. I don't remember an official announcement about who was taking over. I'll look it up while you're talking about Telos, because I don't care about that. <laughs> Smooth chat. <laughs> well, I can't. Well, when you read the story, it's hard to care too much about it either. <laughs> All right. Anything else to say about uh, Edge of Oblivion number three? No, I just, I just really hope from a storytelling point of view that it picks up in issue four. Not just because now we're past the halfway point, but also because it, no matter what, we're taking a hit because we lost one of the big draws to the book, which was Ethan. So with him being gone, and it's not like the book was selling particularly well to begin with, even with Ethan. That I just hope that at least the story picks up because not just before from our point of view, because we have to still read this thing regardless, but just from a, again, just to try to stop, you know, the, you know, the bleeding from this Green Lantern franchise slash family of books here that, you know, it, clearly Edge of Oblivion has not, has not done anything to help that cause. Because <laughs> it's actually selling, I think, much worse than Lost Army is at this point, certainly from three issues in. Yeah. All right, tell us number six. Uh, Telos number six, and let's try to, this will try to like pump me up, or maybe not, or pump me down if you will, and Telos number six is still like, 
miles above Green Lantern 50. <laughs> but, uh, but there is a reason why we're, ironically, because Chad and I talked about this, and we were both on the same page even before we talked. There is a slight relevant reason to do Telos 6 before Green Lantern 50, because at least one, one kind of acknowledges the other, if you will. Uh, so Telos number 6, at the end of Telos number 5, we had, uh, Parallax Hal uh, used the energy from uh, Telos's shard that Brainiac gave him, and he used that to transport them to a city that Hal was constructing with green energy right before their very eyes as Telos was pretty much uh, incapacitated, which, which is convenient enough because when this issue begins, he's really not incapacitated anymore. He's just kind of like... Just kind of laying there as Hal starts putting everything together. Hal kind of gives an explanation for where they are. He says that, you know, we're in a singularity fueled by the energy I drained from your shard, held together by my will. And he pretty much tells him, well, you know, if you, you know, if you kill me or pretty much if you kill him, killing him, you know, kind of like almost like ha ha ha, because I don't think he really thinks uh, Telos could. But if he really tries to get in Hal's way of doing what he's doing here with Coast City, you know, the singularity is going to collapse and it sends us back to a reality where the Citadel snuffs out with Techne and her rebellion and all the stuff which was carrying on through Telos's main book. And Hal's like, you know, is that what you want? And Telos goes, never in any timeline. And Hal's like, good, then stop yammering and help me save Coast City from Superman. And, of course, that throws Telos completely off, and in a way, Cal kind of is, he kind of is giving Telos, you know, the, 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 the crash course on what happened to his Co-City and, and what we remember happening to Co-City in the past, about how super, uh, Cyborg Superman and Mongol helped destroy Co-City. So Hal's plan is pretty much that he, he wants Telos to help him defeat Cyborg Superman and Mongol because somehow in this singularity, if that if they're able to achieve that, then Coast City will live forever. Because apparently, as we find out in this issue, Hal's been kind of trying this before, ever since they got back from Convergence. And I don't understand the logic in it, but somehow Cyborg Superman and Mongol keep defeating him, which I don't quite understand that either. Uh, I don't think we're supposed to. Uh, so. Uh, we get a little bit of background about you know Hal, as in let's just say Parallax's animosity towards the New 52, Hal Jordan, because Telos kind of like questions him about it because part of Parallax's goal besides building Coast City is so he can spend an eternity with Carol, and he's so Telos questions him about you know is this about Hal Jordan and Parallax goes yes Earth's yellow streak who went AWOL let people the people he loved perish. Uh, he had all the rings, and he didn't have the guts to finish the Guardians, which is kind of weird because, you know, it's seemingly the same Emerald Twilight that he went through, and he, it's the same Parallax, if you will, the same Hal Jordan up until a certain point. Uh, and he kind of, like, tries to get in a way, rubbing salt in the wound for Brainiac slightly, too, by, I mean, to, for Telos by saying it's kind of like exactly what Telos did, that he, you know, that he didn't have the guts in the, you know, to basically kill Brainiac, you know, before Brainiac took all Telos's power. I like this line, though. You know, Parallax is like, no danger of that here, because I eat fear for breakfast. It's like, I am the hero Coast City deserves, but I need the upgrade Brainiac gave you to, you know, to stop them. Super Superman and Mongol. Typo number one, they spell Mongol wrong, as in if he was Genghis Khan. Great job in editing, DC. <laughs> Not the only time it's in the book. Uh, so, we, I need, you know... I need you to help me stop them, Superman and Mongol, and believe me, since I got back from averting the crisis, I've tried. And somehow, like I mentioned, he's 
there's almost like an endless loop here where he keeps trying to build Coast City and it keeps crumbling. And Telos has been there before too, even though uh, I don't. It gets it gets convoluted. Yeah, uh, just nobody cares. Skip I know, I I know. It's just <laughs> it, it's just hard when you're reading it because you really are trying to make sense of it. But so much that happens in this, which actually is a good segue to Green Lantern Fifty, makes no friggin' sense whatsoever. Uh, but it comes comes down to again, par, you know, ha- Parallax being you know really jealous over Hal and 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 his relationship with Carol and how you know in a way he wants to outdo Hal Jordan by being the hero of this Coast City and have everybody love him. Oh, Parallax is here to save me. All the citizens of Coast City are supposedly saying. Uh, so basically, what we find out, you know, par- you know, in all this. You know, Telos kind of figures out that none of this is really happening. This is kind of just like almost like a delusion of how uh, Parallax does want Telos to handle Mongol while he takes out Cyborg Superman and all this stuff. Uh, we this is when the, the, this is when the moment when Telos really understands that none of this is real. He he you know he realizes and he says you know his pa- his power is beyond measure, but Parallax has showed me his blind spot. And, you know, after Hal seemingly saved, you know, destroy Cyborg Superman and everything's going to be all right and people are still chanting his name, uh, Hal, you know, Hal becomes very Darth Vader-like and goes to carry, he finds Carol, he goes, join me and together we will rule Coast City as one. And Carol's like, you know, reject, you know, she rejects him. It's like, you only care about replacing Hal. You know, you lay a hand on me and I'll break your face. And all of a sudden, almost in unison, the citizens of Coast City start turning, turning on turning on Hal. It's like, Tello showed us! They, you're unworthy! And, you know, Par- you know, Parallax starts losing it, and then, of course, the entire illusion of Coast City disappears. And, you know, Parala- Parallax goes, you turn them against me! And Tello's just like, no, they're only projections. You know, they're not real. Let it go. And it's like, just because you can, you can see in my head, don't think you can beat me. You will never defeat me. Uh, pretty much, at this point, Hal pretty much, you know, Parallax pretty much pulls a fast one on Telos, and he, he still has the shard, and he pretty much leaves. <laughs> he leaves Telos in this like this this deserted husk, burned out husk of, of the singularity, and he goes, you know, you broke my hold over time. You know, you're too late. There's just enough. There's only enough juice left in your shard for one of us, Telos. You know, and. And Telos is like, if you take this, I'm going to be stranded. <laughs> and he doesn't really give a crap. You know, Parallax is like, well, if I don't, I can't do what I should have done a long time ago. Kill Hal Jordan of Earth. Goodbye, Telos. And Telos just like screaming towards Hal into the so- into the, the sky. Damn you, Parallax. No. The end. Stupid way to end the, the Telos series, too, if you were actually reading it and cared about Telos. <laughs> but. Okay, do you want to get into your Parallax rant now or after Green Lantern 50? We could talk a little bit about it now because there's less there's there's less to rant about in this issue. Because despite the fact that, that the last panel of Parallax we see in this book kind of hints maybe at the entity like coming forward and taking control, he still does it in any of the two issues that... that of Telos, which still makes it a much better issue <laughs> than friggin' Green Lantern 50, as we're going to find out. Well, let's save it for 50, then. All right, so we, you want to discuss it all as a whole? We'll, 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 we'll discuss the parallax problems we have. Okay, that works for me. I have no problem with that. But, uh, you, I know you have a lot more to say than I do, so I'll get my crap out first. Okay, and then yeah, I figured. Yeah, that would make sense, because I'm going to review And then the I'm issues. just going to let you go. Okay. <laughs> uh, but as far as this issue, the art was good. The art was yeah. still good, which was good in, in Telos number five too. 
that Jeff King may not get parallax like we mentioned before, but he, but from a visual point of view, that uh, Igor Vitorino here draws him well. So, so yeah. just go right into Green Lantern fifty then. Uh, yeah. Or do you want to say something else about? Te- I mean, because you. Yeah, you, the, the the art was good. Um, I really like. Uh, by the way, the well, uh, again the PNG thing applies here too. That that's double page splash with parallax when he uh, he's flying and about to ditch. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's cool. Even though the armor's still not one hundred percent classic parallax, is close enough, and the look in his face is great. Yeah, so if we can get that in the PNG file, that'd be awesome. Uh, thanks. So thanks in advance. But uh, otherwise, yeah, the art was great. Uh, the action shots were really kinetic, really well done. Um, it was extremely confusing. It was. Uh, uh, it, even in terms of writing, so uh, forgetting plot altogether. So I think, I think it could be hand, it could have been handled better by Jeff King, but I can't put my finger on what exactly could have been handled better. So the ha- the Mongol typo twice in the book is horrible. That yeah. ranks right up there with Cost City, like uh, like one month, like a month or so ago in Green Lantern. It's like, come on, guys. I mean. Yeah. It doesn't take long to figure out it's Mongol UL. And you even have it right in the book, which means that should have that should have stood out like a sore thumb. The fact that they spell two different ways, like like within like a two like a page or so of each other too. So it should have been caught. Uh, I I do think that at the very least, I give again. I don't as a whole looking at convergence and looking at uh, Telos five and six. Jeff King clearly likes Parallax as a character. And while he doesn't really understand what's at his core, he at least seems to understand a little bit more about him, and he certainly gets him more than Robert Venditti gets him, <laughs> based, based on what we're going to find. Uh, he seems to – at least Jeff King did his – did made an attempt to, to, to make uh, this parallax have some tie-ins to how Zero Hour uh, pre-Final Night parallax – Emerald Twilight, you know, going forward to Final Night Parallax, kind of acted and kind of thought. Not correctly a lot of the time, not, you know, tr- logic and obsessiveness about, you know, being the one-trick pony with Coast City. Not so much, but at least he kind of got the character a little bit more. So his, so this story onto itself, if, if there was no Green Lantern 50, yeah, I probably would have a lot more to bitch about this issue, because... But Green Lantern 50 is just a whole other animal, so that makes that makes this... This makes Telos look like War and Peace compared to uh, what we're about to get into. Um, yeah, before we move on to Green Lantern 50 with regards to the typos, uh, look, if I really, really, really doubt anybody from D.C. is listening to this podcast. But on the off chance that they are uh, or, or anybody with influence over D.C., this kind of shit – and I'm being 100% serious right now. This is no this is no longer Chad just being a, a you know going on a rant for the entertainment value or because it's a you know it's a comic book and you're mistreating my characters or, or whatever. This is me being a 100% serious consumer of a product from a business that a, a, a company that is designed to make money. Yes, I know they're they're comic book characters and they're multimedia things, and you know we we fans are passionate about portrayals of characters. I am skewing all the passionate stuff about being passionate about a character, and strictly speaking here, as a consumer of a product, your editors are asleep at the wheel. Get your shit together now. 
do it now. Because if you're going to do this whole rebirth thing and you're going to want to try to get both the old uh, fans of DC who left you after the New 52 back into comics by doing whatever uh, initiative you're doing with rebirth and trying to inject um, I'm going to get a I'm going to use the word legacy that may not be true but a sense of legacy back into this universe and you're also going to be trying to get uh, it, any new renumbering restructuring of course is going to get outside attention if you're trying to get new readers too this kind of shit cannot happen the editors are there for a reason and they're not doing their job. Forget Jeff King. Forget everybody else. The, the creators, the writers, the artists. This kind of shit like spelling mistakes. And even the spelling mistakes of a name on a character you as a company own. Are inexcusable. Your editors are not doing their jobs. We don't have any goodwill from DC. I know that because I've tried to get interviews with like people like Jeff Johns and stuff for a very, 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 very long time. Sending an email maybe once every couple of months or once every year at least to these people I'm supposed to get in contact with at DC who I've told, been told from and verified from other sources that that's how they got in contact with higher-up people for requesting official interviews. Never got a single response. Not even an automated response. Nothing. Completely ignored by DC. So they don't care. So I'm not worried about, you know, uh, pissing off somebody at DC. Because you know what? If you get pissed off by me saying your editors aren't doing their jobs, I don't care. Because it's the truth. This isn't, this isn't my opinion. This isn't something I'm just ranting about because it just makes me mad. No. It's the truth. Your editors are clearly not doing their jobs. So get your shit together. Now, speaking as a fan of the character, your editors are also slipping up on things that keep happening. Now, not lately, not anything I can particularly point out to lately, but there's inconsistency within your own universe and own world that you've created and within the rules that govern the characters that you are, are, are writing about. Okay? That can't be happening. It's leading to too much confusion, both from new readers and people who have been fans for a long time. Like I've said, like like I mentioned in the, the the what was the the state of the Green Lantern Union, we need a Green Lantern Bible. We need to know how these rings work, how they're supposed to work, so that we're not thrown completely off kilter when something insane happens. Yes, I know they're all powerful rings, and every now and then a power should be a surprise. But the surprise power should make sense within the confines of what you already know about the Green Lantern, the Green Lantern ring, just as an example. So and that's another thing that editors should be doing. But again, with, with editors, assistant editors, and group editors, that's three different people. And it got past three different people. Okay? Can't be happening. All three of them ain't doing their jobs. Cannot happen anymore. That's it. Now... One last thing about I'll say about that. When people complain about comics on the internet, it's about the direction, the art, or the writing. Nobody complains about editing. And if it do, if, if they do, it gets lost in the shuffle. I'm telling you, listeners, complain about the editing. 
It's the only way DC is going to notice it. It's the only way. And if you can find these people, these editors on Twitter and stuff like that, heads up, by the way, I am not telling you to attack them personally or cuss them out or anything like that. When you just mention, hey, there's a spelling mistake here. It shouldn't be here. I don't know how it got past so-and-so. That should be the end of it. Don't personally attack them or go up against them on Twitter. I'm just saying make DC and the editor aware of the mistake so that at least you're doing your part and making sure it doesn't happen again. That's all I'll say. Mark, I don't know if you want to add on to that, but I, I felt myself going into a repeat mode, so I just it's figured okay. I'd, I'd, no, I'd cut it off there. No, absolutely. I think it's it's a valid. I mean, it's a valid point, and we and we we saw it. Like I mentioned, we saw it a couple of months ago in uh, was it last month or the issue before? It was the issue before, not last yeah. month. Uh, with that stupid cost city thing. Of all things, I mean, come on. First of all, <laughs> first of all, you had the fact that you have the the only pages Billy Tan's working on in the whole book, and you would think. Because I don't know, because of the way they're being edited, and because because this is almost like a special special section of the book, you think somehow that would have stood out even more because it's not like in the beginning of the story; it's at the very end. Anybody knows anything about Green Lantern knows it's Coast City to begin with, so that should that so th- those are just hor- those are just horrible mistakes. Why not spell parallax with an I in it after you know after the R? I mean, it's 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 like that. It's 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 re- it's ridiculous. It's and sometimes you almost think, and you hate to say it, you almost think that they knew Telos Six was the last issue of, of Telos, so and they, and they knew most people weren't reading the book, so they, did, so they didn't, so they just mailed it in. <laughs> it's like, ah, eh, who cares? And that probably wasn't the case. And you like to think they would have everybody would, you know, would have more uh, pride in what they're doing. But I'm, you know, so I'm kind of being facetious here, but. No, you said it well. It's like it, 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 it's frustrating. And as, as we're going to get to even in this issue, there's not so much a typo, but there's a continuity problem based on what supposedly happened and didn't happen in the New 52, which is their own fault ultimately because DC never had a goddamn plan when they started the New 52. If they did, these issues, there would have been one constant, continuous timeline uh, one chronology of this happened, this happened, this happened, not kind of like all over the place about, yeah, everything happened. Well, some things happened. Okay, this happened, but that didn't happen, even though it doesn't make sense in that comment. That that stuff all factors into, and I think it it's kind of like all trickles down. And a lot, obviously the New 52 thing doesn't really apply to, the, let's say, the mistake in, in Telos, but there's elements of that that have fallen, I think, they haven't done their writers any justice anyway in that on that level. Not that I'm excusing Robert Venditti, but I'm just saying. But overall, the editing, yeah, they they need they need to, they need to do a better job with this. It's like there's you know ty- typos and things like that should they shouldn't slip through. Mm-hmm. Once in a while, you know, color gets you know a character's colored wrong or something. Whether it's I don't know so that yeah. That if it's like one panel or something, then there's a lot of different ways that could go wrong. Maybe you could let that one slide, but you know, like you know, characters' names and it just doesn't make any sense why it happens. It sh- it really shouldn't be happening as often as it has. And the fact that like this is twice in three ep- the last three episodes that we've we've picked up on on typos like that that that's that's definitely not a good thing. No. All right, Green Lantern fifty. Green Lantern fifty. Uh, so Green Lantern 50. One of the highlights of the issue is the cover. <laughs> not that not that the Green Lantern version of Hal looks particularly cool, but the but the 
the scene of Renegade Hal taking on Parallax is a, is pretty cool, especially about them clashing with the Green Lantern symbol between them. That I that I thought was pretty cool. So let's let's see if we can get to the creative team in this book. Uh, the issue was actually titled Reflection. So Robert Venditti is the writer. Billy Tan and Vincente Sefuentes are the pencilers. Mark Irwin, John Livesay, and Sefuentes are the inkers. Alex Sinclair and Tony Avina are the colorists again. Dave Sharp remains the letterer. Bell Senkowitz did the cover, so congrats on that. I guess there's a Batman vs. Superman variant cover, too. Hey, Doug Monkey did that one, but... I don't have that one. <laughs> Assistant editor, Andrew Marino, and group editor, blah, 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 editor, Eddie Berganza. So, we begin with a flashback to a different universe and a different Earth in a time past, which is basically the Convergence Parallax's uh, Emerald Twilight. So, we see we see him, uh, we see Hal Jordan in his Green Lantern uniform, his knees down in the dirt, his arm in the sling, even the doll on the ground, and we see, you know, the burning remnants of, of Coast City. And he, you know, so he's just kind of like he's just kind of mourning the death of Coast City, which of course cuts directly to our universe, where that parallax, the convergence parallax, is now in our Coast City, and he's just, you know, completely, you know, stunned and take, he's taking in the beauty of Coast City being of being still alive. You know, it's like, I've surpassed the power of a single ring, single ring. The green light of will is within me now. As I've traversed universes, visited countless worlds to find this, everything, everyone, here. And nice nice little, you know, symmetry because Parallax is on his, is on his knees looking out, uh, watching Coast City and all the birds, and now he's kind of like, take, he's taking in the beauty. Uh... You know, he goes on, you know, I'd begun to doubt, you know, this could ever be possible. I'll defend Coast City as I once defended an entire sector of the universe. I'll safeguard it as I once safeguarded worlds. And I'll deal with the one man who'll turn it all to rubble if he isn't stopped. I sense him. He's close. Hal Jordan. So, uh, <clears throat> we, we, we cut to, we cut to Hal Jordan and, and his family and, and Jim and Howard and basically Towers come out of the hospital and, and it's a you know, like a, wel- a welcome home party and everything for for Howard and, and how it kind of makes some really cool constructs with his uh, with his gauntlet which I guess kind of foreshadows some of the things we're gonna see in this in this issue you know Jim's kind of like uh, what happened to the cash I spotted you for real decorations <laughs> and uh, Hal's like well I bought something better so we kind of he bought like this RC quad drone for Howard, so they can, you know, it does pictures and video. So, you know, that's what Hal spent the money on. Money on, and so basically, you know, they go out. The, the kids, the kids go out to play, and Hal and Jim pretty much have a conversation, just about uh, everything that's gone on and over the last few issues and everything like that, and. You know, Hal's kind of lamenting, you know, I should at least be able to, you know, look after my family and all this stuff, no matter no matter what. And Jim's like, Nah, you know, that's that's a lot, that's a lot of crap. You know, I haven't fought in space wars or hung out with the Justice League, but I've been in the trenches. I'm a dad, so I know, so I know this. And all anyone can do is send their kids, you know, to the bus stop and hope for the best. So he's pretty much trying to give Hal like a, you know, the Give him a pep talk and reiterate that you know it's really not your fault. You know you you do the you do the best you can. You know we in the kids 
our kids also can't live in a bubble. So it's kind of like a, a double, you know, kind of like a double uh, meaning there. So Hal's kind of talking to Jim. He's like, hey, you know, uh, you want you want you want to go fly that drone that I that I just got. Howard is like, yeah. And it's like, and, and Jim's like, I call first. So then we cut to the park and we see the drone already flying in the air. And Howard, you know, Howard's flying it, and it, you know, but it kind of gets, it ends up hitting it, you know, in a tree and gets stuck. And they're all kind of like concerned. How is it? How is it going to get out of the tree? And all of a sudden, you know, a green energy constructed hand pulls pulls the drone down, and he brings it down to the ground and. and, and it's Parallax who created this, and Parallax is like, it's like Howard. It's like how, you know, it's it's. So it's like it's this can't be, and all this stuff, and you know, Par. So this Parallax is trying to reconcile how everybody, how everybody's alive. It's like you weren't here, you didn't get killed. I don't understand. And it's like, come here, let me hug you, which doesn't sound friggin' weird or anything. And uh, you know, Jim's wife picks up right away that something's not right, and. Parallax tries to convince her, oh yeah, everything's fine, and all of a sudden, you know, Hal shows up and he like hits Parallax with like a an emerald, an emerald hammer in the face, and it's like a bad move, whoever you are, nobody messes with my family. And for some and for some strange reason, we kind of we get this, and I don't, and we'll talk about this more later. Hal, instead of Hal just thinking, oh my god, I mean, you know, Parallax is back, for some reason he thinks automatically that he's some kind of shapeshifter or some imposter. Until, you know, un until pretty much they start talking about, Jim starts talking about memories, and the fact that Jim and, Jim start, Jim is there, Hal starts talking about memories of him and, of him and Jim, and of course Parallax completes the thought, because Parallax, of course, he was there, that in his universe, when all these things happened with his with his brother, so it doesn't make any. So that's kind of convoluted, but you know, Hal tells his family to get out of there because he's pretty much going to deal with or try to deal with Parallax, and you know, Parallax. Hal, you know, use some energy construct chains around Parallax. It's like you know, you're not, you know, you're not coming back. You know, I don't care. I mean, I'm going to stop you, Parallax. I abandoned Coast City once. It died. I won't let you fail it again. And as he says that, unfortunately, we get our first glimpse of the jagged teeth in Parallax, which pretty much is going to be the, the, pretty much from it's going to be the Parallax we're going to see for the, almost the rest of this issue. Uh, how you know how charges at Parallax and slams into him. And if some people look at this page, this is this was the cover that when, when we see the early solicits for Green Lantern 52, the final issue, it showed a black, kind of like a non-fleshed out version of this cover. So for people who looked at that cover and thought Parallax might show up again in issue 52, pretty much take it to the bank. That won't happen. They were just kind of like using this piece of art as filling for that. So Hal comes in, he, sma you know, he smashes into Parallax. You know, and Hal's like, "What though? You know, my my gauntlet has the power of a dozen rings. Nothing can beat that." Okay, now Parallax, you know, Parallax appears. You know, back on his feet, he's fine. Jagged teeth. Now, now the 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 dialogue balloons all start turning to yellow, and the fonts start turning jagged, like the entity. And it's like, a dozen. I wield the might of. 3,600. The light of the entire Green Lantern Corps devoured from the central power battery itself. And seemingly, finally, at this moment, a gong goes off that makes Hal think this might actually be, you know, Parallax. So, I mean, his, him, you know, his version of Parallax in a way. So Parallax goes, I'm better, I'm Parallax. Even the font of Parallax isn't quite correct. 
So Hal and Parallax, keep, they keep going at it. You know, Parallax is like, in the universe I come from, Coast City is ash and sand because I wasn't there to save it. All the time I spent protecting the homes and worlds of others. Who, who was protecting mine? No one. While I was away, my home burned. And Parallax just continues to lay it on Hal. It's like, now I've found Coast City again, tall and gleaming. And I, you know, I killed the Green Lantern Corps. It absorbed every ray of their power for one purpose, to remake what I allowed to be destroyed. But this is better. I'll prevent it from ever happening at all. And you know, he really starts going off on Hal, and Hal finally you know, pretty much has enough and says, Stop! And he smashes Parallax in the face, which causes Parallax to spit out to yellow blood, which temporarily, momentarily breaks the Entity's control, seemingly, over Hal Jordan Parallax. You know, and Hal's like, he goes to Parallax, he's like, you have it all wrong. Coast City was destroyed. Everything you said about me not being here when the city needed me, it happened. But Coast City is rebuilt. It's better now. You're sick. There's an infection inside you. It feeds on fear and makes you do unspeakable things. I know because it did the same to me. It drove me nearly insane forever, but I beat it. It's like, I've met copies of me before, even bad ones, but you're different. You are me. With my memories, I don't understand it, but I know you have the will to stop yourself from going down this road any further. I can help you. Let let me. Let me. Everything else will figure it out after, please. And, of course, Parallax, you know, the entity takes control again. He smashes Hal through a bus. It's like, you are wrong. You will fail. They continue to fight. Uh, Parallax is, has the upper hand, though. He keeps, like, like, getting closer and closer, seemingly to killing Hal. And, and he even goes, time to die, Hal Jordan. That Hal shoots these green energy beams out of his eyes, which doesn't make any sense. And Hal's like, weak? You don't know how powerful I am. And Parallax kind of seems stunned at this point. Hal continues. He goes, I don't know how powerful I am. And all of a sudden, Hal, Hal almost becomes this, uh, his, this translucent hologram image of himself. Kind of very Ion-esque, as we'll talk about. And Parallax kind of like freaks out, and he goes, look at what you're... Becoming, you shouldn't exist. I'll find more power. Co City, your life, it'll all be mine. And Parallax just leaves. So Hal, you know, in his glowing ion-like form, you know, is is struggling to gain control. It's like I, I'm in control. I have the will. I have the will. You know, he momentarily takes control again, and, and he appears as Hal Jordan. And then Hal, you know, then Hal calls out to Jim, and he goes, "I think, I think something is happening to me." To me, and now he's glowing green again, like Ion. So next issue, deconstructed. <sighs> yes, I know. Cause, so, like you said, you want you wanted to talk first, and I'm sure you'll mention some of the points I'm going to talk about. But feel free. Well, before I get into the parallax stuff, I want to praise uh, Venditti for a couple of things. Uh, because, guys, we're not completely antagonistic towards Venditti. Mark said in a prior prior episode that Venditti's actually been very approachable on things like Twitter and stuff like that, and that is true. He's a good guy. He's really responsive to uh, to people, uh, and he's he's always been uh, very kind to us. So we don't def- we we definitely don't want to seem like we're coming off as hating Robert Venditti. No, absolutely um, not. And in our, and in our defense, more probably my defense too, because I'm the one who's probably going to rip into him more than you will in this issue, that we really have been, I think, as I mentioned last episode, uh, I think we really, I certainly know I've been really, because of everything you just said, 
you know, I tr I've tried to balance things out even when I don't like things that he's done or the direction things have gone in because he has always been nice to us. He's always been responsive to us, and he does seem, like you said, a, like a nice guy. This issue kind of, to me, anyway, it's kind of like kind of like the breaking point on some level, though. Not because I think he's not a nice guy anymore, but it's kind of hard to... Especially now that we're getting to the end of the road with Robert Venditti in his run, that it's kind of hard to, like, just kind of sugarcoat it or look the other way about some things. But go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. So, to me, the one word that would describe this issue outside of the problems that we have with it is symmetry. And I think that's mostly due to Robert Venditti. There's a couple of things I'm going to point out here uh, that could be the artist's interpretation of things but more than likely is Robert Venditti's interpretation of things. Uh, how he plotted script slash scripted the story and how the artist then took his cues and, and visualized it on the page. I'm looking at the page where Hal is, uh, Parallax Hal is in the ruins of Coast City. He says, how could it, I let it all become this. And he's clutching the dirt. Uh, and then the next page it says alive and all of that stuff. Okay. The bottom of the first page I mentioned where he's, you see his eyes and it says dead. The top of the second page, you see the same eyes flip the other way, says alive. Okay? Then you have above the, the panel where he says dead, it says, but I wasn't here when Coast City needed me, my city, my home is. And then you see, and he's in that panel, he's looking at the wreckage of Coast City. Then the next panel on the other page is my home, Coast City, my city. He's looking out over Coast City. And then on the, the first page, I'm Green Lantern. My ring is the most powerful weapon in existence. I've defended an entire sector of the universe, safeguarded worlds. He's I got his hand extended. He's clutching dirt. Well, the uh, the second the, the, the other page, the, the, there's a panel where he's got his hand out and he's clutching a dandelion. And the first page... Close-up, side-profile shot, and he's, how can I let it all become this? Clutching dirt in his hands, looking down. The the last panel, to find this, everything, everyone, he lets go of the dandelion, he's looking up, and his hands are open. That's very, that that is way too much symmetry to be accidental. Yes, that's, that's, on, that, that's on purpose. That's, and, nicely, and that part was nicely done. The issue does begin strong. It's mirrored and it's reversed. So that's cool. That's really well done. And it actually happens again in this uh, in this issue. Uh, excuse me as I click through if you're hearing clicking in the background. Um, but as I click through, there's another spot uh, in the issue where the symmetry happens again. Uh, and it is in the pages uh, when Hal and Parallax confront one another uh, in the park for the first time. So... In, and I'm looking at the page, uh, let's see here, where they're, they're recapping those memories that right. Hal has. Uh, the, the, the first time you see the, the first panel. Now, it, again, keep, keep the idea of mirrored and reversed in your mind. So the first panel, so there's four panels on this first page and four panels on the second page. The first panel of this first page is... is uh, you, you, you're behind Parallax, and you're looking at uh, Hal and Jim and Sue and Howard and, and, and the kids. Uh, and it says, Sue, keep, uh, keep a hold of Jane. We have to go. Well, the fourth panel of the next page 
is that same shot reversed, flipped. You're looking at Parallax, and you're behind Hal. Okay? Well, the second panel of the first page is a close-up of Parallax's face. The third panel of uh, of the second page is a close-up of Hal's face. The third panel of the first page is a shot of Hal and Jim. The second panel of the second page is a shot of Hal and Jim. And, of course, the last panel of the first page and the first panel of the, the second page is a close-up shot of Hal with memories flashing behind him, whether it's our Hal, quote-unquote our Hal, or Parallax. So there's a lot of symmetry here. Plus, plus Hal has his right hand extended, but the gauntlet at his panel, and Parallax has his left hand kind of like, not extended, but kind of curled up in, in, the, in the mirror image. So Exactly. So there's a there's a there's a lot of symmetry, and again, that is way too much to not be accidental, uh, uh, or to, to be accidental rather. Uh, so that's that's kudos to that. Uh, in an issue where you have two versions of a hero facing off with one another, uh, symmetry is a good thing to have in there to, to throw that point in there. Another cool thing is when uh, Jim is you know kind of jokingly chiding Hal for getting a present. He says, my money, your glory. Hal says, I'll pay you back. He yes. says, with what? Space dollars you <laughs> haven't had a paying job in. And he says, how's a case of Kundish ale sound? And Jim says, fair. That's a good callback because it was, God, I can't remember how many issues ago that Hal and Jim sat on a foreign planet sipping Kundian ale. It was was Mogo. Yeah, it was, yes, it was on Mogo when Hal was the leader of the Green Lantern Corps. So it was a really long time ago, and of course it was uh, Venditti that wrote it, but good callback. Yes. Okay. I almost, I, almost, I actually almost mentioned that when I was going, th- because there wasn't that much. I didn't want to go into too many specifics about what they were talking about, but I did that, but that did strike, that even when I read it the first time, that struck me, because that was that was kind of a funny, it's a funny callback, and, and it was... It was a good moment for the two of them in that issue when they were sitting there drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, another good good thing is, and you mentioned it in your recap, having Hal get punched in the face as Parallax and spitting up yellow blood. I can, and I'm, I'm not even going to say I can almost give you a pass, but by doing that, I see what you're going for. Doesn't mean I like it, and obviously Mar- Jim and I, uh, Jim and I, Mark and I, will get into this. Uh, Jim would get into least... it too if he was here, because let's be yeah. he absolutely hated this issue. I'll have to remind him to try to get a. It's probably going to be too late, but he was originally going to leave a voicemail for us. I'm sure we'll play it on the next episode. Um, so I, again, we can see what you're doing, appreciate it, but doesn't dissolve it. So. <laughs> So uh, lots of good moments with the family here, and that's one of the things I wanted to see with Hal on Earth. So I appreciate all of that. Now, all of that being said, <laughs> and, and and let me let me applaud Chad for this because and he's and he's right. He's absolutely right. These are these everything he said are good moments in this book, and. And I, I'm really glad that he mentioned it because I, it deserves to be mentioned. But the stuff that was so bad in this book, when I, as soon as I read it, it just torpedoed, it just completely wiped out any memory I had of anything that was good. So I'm glad Chad brought it up for the sense of fairness because we always try to be fair. <laughs> All of that being said, 
this is not parallax. This is not this is not any parallax that I recognize. This is not Jeff John's Fearbug parallax, although it's obviously closer to that yes. than than the yeah. original parallax, but this isn't the original parallax either. I think personally there was so much more potential mm-hmm. in bringing back original parallax without artistically visualizing him in such a way as to turn up the corners of his mask and make his teeth all pointy and his tongue all snake-like and turn his word bubbles into parallax speak. You could have still had Hal say, I was you, you're, you're being corrupted by fear, blah, 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 blah. And it still could have been the original parallax. Having, but not known about all, knowing about all of this stuff about the fear bug. It was still possible. Now, that being said, even if this was original parallax, you wasted a really, really, really good character mm-hmm. and a really, really, really good chance to tell some really, really, really good story. And even if you only had three issues to do it, I feel like the sonar stuff was a waste. We could have had... Look, all of my prior thoughts about the sonar parts of the story still stand. It is good to have a classic Silver Age villain of, of Hal Jordan that isn't tied into the emotional spectrum. Awesome. Still happy about that. Updating him for a modern age and making him terrorist with, you know, uh, high-tech bombs and blah, blah, blah. Makes sense. Cool. Keep it going. It even makes sense in the in the purposes of, of uh, introducing Parallax and the fact that he's headed to Coast City. He can feel Hal Jordan's fear when his family is threatened. All of that doesn't take away from the quality of the Sonar storyline. What I'm saying is that the Sonar storyline was pointless. In the fact that it has nothing to do, other than the tangential thing I just mentioned, with Parallax, and it actually robbed us of getting more Parallax and actually having a probably better story out of it. This is... Mark is going to get into this a, a, a little bit more. I, 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 I'm just assuming because I'm assuming he's just about to go off for about 50 minutes. Uh, uh, I've got a handle of whiskey over here. I can be sipping <laughs> on while he goes. No, I'm going to be listening intently. Point, point for the record. The reality is, I'm still. I think I'm still going to go off to a certain extent. But if I don't, but if my, me going, us recording this now versus us recording it, let's say before last Wednesday, it's going. I can, I can suspect anyway. I could be wrong. We'll find out in a few minutes. I'm going to suspect this is going to be a much more uh, subdued, subdued. You've perfect word. Thank you. Subdued <laughs> response, but it has nothing to do with this issue. It has to do with two words. Cullen Bun, because when we get to Sinestro, Sinestro 21, Sinestro 21 was so damn good that it helped get me out of the complete doldrums that Telos and this issue put me in enough. It, appropriately enough, it gave me hope. 
So it so that's the reason why when I go off on this, when Chad's done and I start going through the issues I have with this issue, that and tell us. <laughs> yeah. That is probably going to be a lot more a lot less ranty than it probably would have been and even maybe the even the last episode we did when it came to F- issue reviews. And that's the only reason why, because I don't I'm not wasn't quite as down after reading Sinestro. <laughs> Okay, so I am – Mark is a much bigger fan of Parallax than I am. Uh, that's not to say I'm not a fan of Parallax. It's just saying that when it comes to Parallax, Mark knows uh, a, a little bit more defined has – has a more defined definition of who Parallax is and what his motivations are. That being said, Parallax, in my mind – I'm not saying I'm, I am not speaking for Mark here. In my mind, Parallax, as he should be, is not motivated by the love of Carol Ferris. Parallax is not motivated by any sort of regret for what he has done. Now, yes, Parallax has stated even pre New Fifty Two, you know, Emerald Twilight Zero Hour era, that he has regret for what he's done. But me. Personally, as a reader, I don't believe it. He may think he does, but he doesn't. He's motivated by something I can't quite define. I think Mark will be able to define it later, and you'll probably hear me go, "Mm mm-hmm, at some point. Um, But the motivations are wrong. The portrayal is wrong. Um, The interaction with Hal is wrong. The idea of him attacking Hal in front of his family is wrong. It, there's there's a lot here that is not Parallax. Now, I know that Parallax, uh, this universe, this, this Parallax that we're supposed to be seeing here, while maybe not aware that he's you know infected by a fear bug, is still the guy behind things like Zero Hour, and he has the potential to kill and destroy and... and, and and be a villain and blah, blah, blah. But when it comes to the, the people and the things closest to him, you that's when you get more how than parallax. And I feel like they're in the obvious ways that they mischaracterize parallax and in the subtle ways that they mischaracterize parallax. This is, uh, and, and I'm going to let Mark go off here now. All I can say is wasted opportunity. That's all I can say. Wasted opportunity is it's a good segue or a good uh, handing of the baton, I think, for me to me. Uh, wasted opportunity to me is exactly what everything that we've read. And mind you, we've only had like a, we've, if you want to count the snippets at the uh, of the last couple of Green Lantern issues, along with this, we've only had like about five issues that Parallax has appeared in since since Convergence. It's all wasted opportunity. Parallax is such a, a character that always had such potential. And maybe we would have seen more of that potential if they had, you know, if, if you know, Ron and Daryl and everybody else hadn't gotten like, kind of like forced into, into <laughs> had no choice in the matter that they were going to be, ta- they were going to lose Parallax in Final Night, that it wasn't their call. He was being taken off the board because DC wanted Hal to, you know, die, you know, die, die a heroic death or whatever, that that if Parallax had stuck around, maybe we would have seen more of what he could have been, which is kind of, as many people have said, he could have he could have kind of been like this uh, 
Magneto-like villain where you don't always know... He may be going about things in a shitty fashion a lot of the time, but when you basically boil down to what he's trying to accomplish, it's hard to look at the end of the day and go, you can't necessarily say that he's wrong. Mm-hmm. Or have or have these moral moral dilemmas about he's trying to do something or trying to stop something, and while the natural reaction is, oh, we're a hero, we have to stop him, and then you really think about it, well, he's really maybe he's really doing the right thing, and we're and we're just approaching it differently because it's how you know that because we know what he's done in the past, so that means he can't he can't be doing anything for you know for any other reason but a negative reason. Now, this is such a wasted opportunity. Convergence itself. The fact you – because, again, and may, you'd still hold out a teeny tiny sliver of hope that maybe Parallax was kept alive for a reason, and we just don't know what it is yet, and we're going to see something down the road with it. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. But but this issue helped tor- helps torpedo that a lot. Not necessarily, because as I get to the end of the book, I'll talk about how it may not – how you might be able to make, you know, make something out of this. But you had Convergence Parallax, who, yeah, Jeff King still kind of wrote him like an idiot, even in Convergence, where he was throwing out the most basic insults every left, every second, and you know you could tap you could tap Hal on the shoulder, and if you did it the wrong way, he would just freaking kill you for no reason, which was not Parallax. Parallax may have been highly volatile; he was somewhat unstable, but he wasn't like two seconds away from killing anybody just for no reason, and that's the way Jeff King kind of wrote him. But you have one of the you have this powerful character who he, he himself says in Convergence, the last issue, that the main reason he doesn't want to go back to his own universe is because he's in need of redemption, and probably because I'm sure only because they were so friggin' desperate to try to stop the crisis from playing out the way it did, from preventing the multiverse from being destroyed, and knowing that Hal had the power set to, to be able to help them do that, accomplish that, they sent him back in the past. So he does, and, and again, we still have no idea how what they did and how they accomplished this, but we know pretty much. Do we know about whether we have no idea whether that version of the Flash survived though, right? No. Which he probably didn't, based on typical uh, history of of uh, the crisis. But we know Lois and Clark survived. We know Parallax survived. Great story if we ever see it too. But the point is, Parallax went back and he accomplished something. Helped accomplish something. That was so much greater than Zero Hour was would ever have been, even if he was successful. <laughs> Zero Hour, he was only trying to. I mean, he talked about creating, you know, other. I think other universes and uh, and things like that, or just creating different, like different worlds or different versions of the world, so everybody could have their own Earth and things. But he no, saved... he was talking about bringing back the multiverse in Zero Hour because I remember when we talked about it in uh, uh, episode ninety four when we had Adam Murdo of Comic Geek speak on. I remember uh, Adam was saying that he was really excited about a certain line in there because he thought it was hinting at bringing back. Yeah, the but I think the line I think the line was when like when Batgirl and everybody else were talking about that. He's I think he said something like 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 you're gonna have your world and you're gonna have your world. So yes, I think it was hinting at bringing back the multiverse. I think it was hinting at hinting at it. But but originally his goal I think was just to restart one universe and then make it a perfect universe. But that wasn't probably going to be enough. But either way, going back, he he accomplished so much more in convert at the end of Convergence. And what he you know talk about you know the uh, Black Widow's trying to get the ledge the red out of your ledger kind of discussion. He did he saved so many more beings and helped uh, prevent them from dying than than anything he did in Zero Hour. And you would think that that should mean something to that character. That should give him greater purpose. 
So what happens when they what, what happens when they bring him back? The same guy who didn't want to go back to his own universe, who didn't want to go back to his own coast city or anything like that, all he friggin' obsesses about is coast city, coast city, coast city, coast city. And how had moved beyond that? Our parallax had moved beyond that even before Final Night. He had moved beyond that. Zero Hour itself was living proof that he had moved beyond that. Because his first, his first instinct was to just bring back Coast City. And then he realized he was thinking too small. That there are too, so many things wrong in the universe and so many horrible things have happened that that's what he should be doing. He should be, he should be creating a universe in which these crappy things didn't happen and he would be the guardian of that universe that would prevent anything bad or things like that from ever happening again. We get this version of the Parallax. It's all about Coast City. It's all about Coast City. Now, the Telos version, okay, he's still written like he's a friggin' idiot. But, other than the stupid tie-ins to him wanting to kill Hal Jordan, which we're going to get to, other than that, at least he, he seemed to act a little bit more like Parallax. But this, but what the hell is his obsession with, oh, he's got to kill Hal Jordan. Somehow, it's Hal Jordan's fault. It, I guess if you want to go back to the, again, not the incorrect way of trying to go through the the split personality thing we got in that Parallax mini in Convergence about you know the split personality aspects. Maybe Parallax just sees Hal Jordan you know as another per- as not as himself anymore, and that's why he blames Hal Jordan because if Hal Jordan had been stronger, he would never have come into being. I don't know. You could try to psychoanalyze him that way, but why the hell does he think? Dis- you know, why would he blame Hal for every for for everything? You know why? You know he's blaming himself, I guess, and I guess that's how you would analyze it, but. And like you mentioned, the Carol thing is stupid. You know, in all honesty, Carol wasn't a high priority to him, up you know during the, that that whole era. Yes, he went to go see her during Final Night and things like that, but that was because you know he knew he was going to die. <laughs> Essentially, I mean, at the time they made it, he made it sound like, oh yeah, we could go away and we can have a life together and everything else. But he really knew what was how things were going to play out. Which isn't to say that Carol isn't important to Hal, guys. We're just saying yeah. that it's not Parallax's main motivation. No, well, let's be honest. At that time, that was not the pinnacle of their closeness. Uh-uh. So, so the so the motivation the motivation is very, very, very shaky, at best. Now we come to now kind of hop skipping here. We have a problem which you know, give Jim credit for because when Jim and I were talking about this issue, when he asked me what happened to it, and I told him, he picked up on this right away. And I didn't, and it, maybe it was because I was so, I was vent, I was so just completely bummed out about the way things played out here. That when Hal's explaining the parallax, which one, which other than this was a cool scene, I liked when yellow blood aside coming out of his mouth. I liked that moment when he gets shocked back to being Hal, kind of in control. That when Hal, when when Hal is talking to that that version of parallax, where Hal is kind of like supplanted the entity again. He talks about, oh, no, you, you got it wrong. It's not like Coast City hasn't been blown up yet. Oh, yeah, it was. It was rebuilt. Well, except in the New 52, they had told us after the fact that Coast City hadn't been destroyed. Right. It wasn't destroyed. But yet Hal still became Parallax, which still makes absolutely no sense to begin with, which is a minor my, New 52 rant, because it, you would think that's one hell of a story to tell us at some point. If Hal, What could possibly make Hal become Parallax if not for Coast City, assuming he became Parallax the same way, which is absorbing the central power battery and everything else, how, what the hell would have made him do that? Doesn't 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 have to make sense because we're just making this up as we go along. But that's a big problem because this Coast City, 
was not destroyed. In the beginning of the New 52, they made it sound like it kind of was, but we got, but it was, we were definitely told after the fact, Coast, Coast City was not destroyed in the New 52. Yeah, I think so you that, were told by Dan to do Yes, I pointed that out to other people who didn't, who tried to say that I was, like, who, was, who, may, who implied I, I was incorrect on the Green Lantern Corps, I think, forum. Their website and I said no. I, be- I said you know, I believe it was Dan DiDio himself who told us that Coast City was not destroyed, but but Hal Jordan did become Parallax. So that's a major that's a major problem right there. Hal describing the entity as an infection that seems pretty weak. It's not necessarily it's it's kind of maybe appropriate based on the year that we're in. It's kind of Clinton-esque because it's not really a lie, but it's not really accurate either. It gives an implication of something that's not really true. It's like he, he, he has a simple disease or something. You know, I would have been much more pow- I think it would have been a much more powerful message to get through to him to, to say, hey, there, there is a living being inside of you <laughs> either made of the living embodiment of fear, and that's what's making you do what you're doing because it did the same thing to me. That would have been a little more of a wake-up call than oh, there's an infection and well, I don't know. So that 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 was pretty that was pretty pretty weak too. The whole the whole fight the 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 whole power level between these two characters makes no sense. Hal seems to be shocked. First of all, oh here's another before before I even go into that, why Hal why it takes Hal forever to figure out this might actually be a version of Parallax when Hal was Parallax. He remembers his time as Parallax, unlike as the Spectre. He remembers his time as Parallax. He knows what Parallax was capable of doing. For all he knows, this could have simply this could have been zero-hour Parallax traveling through time. He doesn't know that it's not. He has no way of knowing that. So the audit for his so him to be some somehow completely unwilling to believe this is Parallax, despite the logical reasons to believe that it is standing in front of him. That didn't seem you know that didn't seem to really resonate to me too. And that kind of goes with where I was started to go, which was the power set. Like, he hits it with the gauntlet, and he's surprised. Oh, my God, why doesn't this work? Because Parallax, uh, Parallax should, be able to beat, should be able to kill Hal in two seconds. Because the gauntlet, as we've understood it up to this point, is only about as powerful as ten power rings. Parallax and his worst day was more powerful than that. Even after the recharge and, and Owa in Green Lantern Zero, he was still more powerful than that. So on a power set level, there would be no comparison between these characters based on what we know. So that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense either. The fact that it takes very little time in this fight before the entity starts rearing its head, which ruins the issue completely. I mean, it just ruins it. What's, there is no point ultimately in bringing or ke- in bringing back keeping the zero hour era parallax back. Which there is a lot of good. There are a lot of good stories you could tell with this character. Lots of good stories. There always were. There's no point in bringing this character back if you turn him in like four pages in into the 2004 Parallax and not the 1994 Parallax. That's the whole effing point of bringing him back. Not because he doesn't have a fear entity inside of him. We know that based on everything we've learned, he does. It's the fact that he doesn't know it and it's not controlling his actions. Yes, you can make the point, being fair, being objective, you can make the point that over time, the fear entity was probably going to assert more and more control over Hal, because, and he may have done it, if Final Night never happened, maybe he would have done it too. Maybe he didn't do it partially because Ganthet went inside of R. Hal, and maybe that didn't happen, and that part didn't happen. 
in uh, to this convergence pattern. There are lots of things you could point to. So the idea of the fear entity slowly but surely taking control, okay, this isn't slowly but surely. This is like drop of a dime, there he is. So that kind of just ruins the whole idea. That just means any, any concept of this parallax doing something good, which you would think after uh, convergence, after saving the multiverse, you would think that would be something that would be higher on his priority list. That was something that if Parallax wasn't going to take control of him and fuck things up then during the, during the crisis, then why would he automatically do it now? It doesn't really it doesn't really make sense. And the fear and the fear entity taking control means that we're not going to get to see the zero hour Parallax probably really again, or we're going to get to see him for two couple of panels before he gets angry, and then he's going to turn jagged teeth and tongue and all the stuff which the thing that I despise about the Jeff Johns retcon the way that, that thing of Parallax because that's all we ever see now with anybody who gets possessed by Parallax pretty much Sinestro I think reined it in a little at least during I think his series maybe if I remember but either way but, but now the only good thing that, the only good thing the only good thing that can come from the idea that maybe ha- this is why I think he should have known about the entity and not just this infection the only thing that good could, could come from this is that Hal, maybe Hal, the inside of Parallax, the host Hal, kind of sees what's going on now. And now if we see this character more, maybe the opposite now is going to take effect. Maybe the entity is more in control for the most part now, but, but Hal's willpower, knowing what's going on now, what's really going on inside of him, is, might start struggling and fighting for control. So maybe we could have something like that. That's the only save, possible saving grace, where Hal could end up taking control of Parallax or doing, or maybe even getting Parallax out of his system, but still having that kind of power. Something that I, the Jeff Johns era kind of, I thought, like in Green Lantern 50, they kind of ruined that opportunity. When Parallax went back into Hal, of Hal doing it willingly, knowing what was going inside of him, that I thought Hal should have had more control over Parallax this time. But, they, but that didn't happen. Um... Let's see. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of the thing that the artwork, of course, stinks. Billy Tan's art is horrible throughout most of this issue. The best parallax looks in this entire issue is when he's not the one drawing him towards the end of the book. Uh, the Hal Jordan, you know, Billy Tan is, you know, Billy Tan. We've we've we've, we've beat this horse to death, but it's just the fact that he's not a. He does not draw Hal well. He doesn't draw humans particularly well. So he's really not the best art. Certainly, he has shouldn't have been the artist on this book. Uh, once it became just a Hal book and the core was exiled. The only thing that makes it in, this whole story interesting at the end is the whole s- pseudo-ion appearance or transformation of Hal, which still I, I'm, I like to think we're going to get an explanation for that in the next two issues. Maybe we're not. I'm still trying to figure out what Parallax is talking about when it goes, look at what you're becoming. You shouldn't exist. I know Dan and Jim think that means that, he's, that it's related to Ion. And maybe it's alluding. Maybe it is alluding to that. But he, I don't. I don't. It still seems out of place to me, mm. because it, because even if he is alluding to the entity, how would this parallax know that Ion is gone? He doesn't fucking even know Coast City wasn't destroyed, right? How would he know the other end? You know, I don't know. Unless they're going to come up with some convoluted reason that you know this parallax basically was able to communicate with the New Fifty Two parallax, and that's how he come he knows the entities are all gone. I don't know. But this was a. This was a big waste of potential. The fight wasn't even that good. It accomplished nothing. Parallax just flies off on its own. Hal just lets him fly off on his own. It was, it was a big, big 
waste. And before I turn it back over to you for anything else you have to, <laughs> to say, I don't. Uh, the thing that really get the thing that bought the motivation. Yeah, the motivation for Parallax. Parallax was he did feel. I mean, there was some guilt and remorse about what he did. I think in a way, what sums up his motivation the the best was in Green Lantern Zero when when Kyle and Hal were on Oa, and Hal was out of energy and he hadn't recharged yet, and he's he's like pretty much got, getting back on his knees and he's crying, and he says, "I have to set things right. I have to make paraphrasing. I have to make things right because if I don't, if I don't fix all this, then." I'm not going to be a hero. I'm going to be one of the bad guys. And yeah. he's sitting there crying. That his ultimate part of his part of his motivation in trying to set things right is to, uh, you know, to remove his own guilt and to make up for his his own sins, part of it. But he's still trying to uh, you know, erase the sins of the past, not just his, but partially his with the power that he has. And he in a way kind of seeking redemption with, even without saying it by accomplishing something greater with the power that he has. And kind of paraphrasing, I got and I got this quote, though I'm not going to say who it's from, regarding you know what parallel, you know why most people don't seem to get parallax when it comes to to writing him. And the basic concept concept is most people don't really they don't seem to really understand parallax because most people tend to write parallax as a villain instead of writing him as who he kind of really was, which is that he's really just a frustrated frustrated hero, somebody who's really been pushed to the brink way way too many times, and he just and he broke, and he just got pushed and pushed and pushed, and got so little in return, and had all, everything, and he just, and he just snapped. But he wasn't a bad guy, and even in the worst moments, the worst at the worst uses of parallax back in that time, there were still many, many elements of the real Hal Jordan that shined through: his willpower, his determination, his desire. You know. A lot of that shone through in what he was and what he was trying to accomplish, and and he still and he and even as Parallax, he did learn as time went on from his mistakes. Like he learned in Parallax view that he realized that Kyle should be Green Lantern now, that it was time for me to be something else. He said, so he was not he was not completely controlled by the past the way he was haunted by it, yes, but it wasn't it wasn't a one trick pony. So Hal was not a you know, Hal is not a bad guy. Parallax was never a true villain. You know, he he did bad things, but he, but everything that made Hal a hero was still in Parallax. Those qualities were still there. He just was looking like his name was, like his new name meant. He was now looking at the universe from a different point of view, and because he was looking at it from a different angle, he saw things differently, and he approached things differently. But this, but the essence of the man was still in him. And most people who write Parallax don't write him that way. He's just a bad guy waiting to do bad things, and he just—it's kind of all prologue until until somebody just says something and he snaps and he's and he does shitty things. And I think my I think my rant is over. If if it constitutes a rant, I still think it's tame, much tamer than it would have been. But it's this it's disappointing, and I think it's a real a real crappy way. It's make, it certainly makes issue 51 and 52 for me completely anticlimactic, not just because we know the series is going to end, not just because logically we know Robert Venditti and Tan are going to be off the book, but because this was their last their last golden opportunity, I think, to do something really, really cool. I mean, Robert wanted to use this character and was excited to use this character. I had higher expectations that he would at least use the character properly and not just take him within five panels and let the fear bug come out. 
Because what's the point of that? That's not. There's no point. In, I would rather Parallax have died in in the Crisis on Infinite Earths, saving the multiverse, than having this Parallax back being used this way. And I love Parallax, but I would rather him. I rather us see a story. If we see him die a hero's death, an even better hero's death than Final Night, and let let that be the way. Unless there's some master plan we don't know about, which is going to make this steaming pile smell a little bit less. Then to me, this is just a waste. All right, Sinestro Twenty One. Thanks. Thank God. Let's let's go. Let's go out in a high note. All right, turning yellow, Sinestro Twenty One. Uh, Cullen Bunn is the writer, Martin Cocolo is the artist, Blonde is the colorist, Dave Sharp is the letters, Brad Walker and Drew Hennessy and Jason Wright did the cover, Andrew Marino is the assistant editor, Mike Cotton the editor, Eddie Berganza group editor, and Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Suster by special arrangement with the Jerry Siegel family. So, we open up where we left off. Sora is now in charge of the Sinestro Corps. She descends onto uh, the planet uh, where the uh, Yellow Lanterns are, as well as the uh, public. They are thanking the Sinestro Corps for saving uh, them. Um, She says, please stay calm. There's no need to thank us, to thank me. We're just doing our job. Uh, We see Sinestro uh, sort of... Uh, cowering is the wrong word, but uh, uh, defeated, uh, exhausted, uh, wounded. Um, uh, Lysa approaches him, says, you're alive. What has become of you? You're hurt and feebled. Uh, and, he, and he says, uh, uh, I always forget this asshole's name, but whatever. Um, one of the Yellow Lanterns says, calm yourself, story witch, give him room. She says, he will recover, he must. Sinestro says, in time perhaps, but I've exhausted myself. Spent not just the energies of my ring, but my very essence to defeat the Pale Bishop. Until I have regained my strength, the Sinestro Corps has a new leader, and she will need your support. Lysa says, you know it will do no good for what I have foreseen, your challenge, the challenge your daughter faces. He says, indeed, you have predicted the fall of Sinestro Corps, and I reject this pro- prophecy. She says, but once we return to New Korgar, he says, I might be debil- debilitated after my ordeal, Lysa. But I'm strong enough to yet change our fate. I will save my daughter, save the core, and even if I cannot save myself. She says, there is a way if you're willing to make the sacrifice. He says, not now. I'll receive your counsel later. Though I warn you, it will likely fall on deaf ears. Uh, <laughs> Gotta love Sinestro. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's where that, uh, that uh, leaves off. Superman uh, approaches Sinestro and uh, says we'll need a word. And uh, Becca is like, oh, be ready. <laughs> and Superman says, I just wanted to say I misjudged you. And Sinestro says, of course you did, Kryptonian. Still, this world is lucky to have you. And luckier still that I placed more faith in you by granting you one of my rings than you dared to afford me. Now, if you'll excuse me, I must speak with my daughter while our enemies are defeated here on Earth. There are still threats that we must attend. We go out to space, see a couple of yellow lanterns approaching some of the paling ships. Uh, they are suddenly overcome and defeated by Mongol, who is now free uh, of, uh, of the influence of the paling and the influence of a horribly spelled name. <laughs> uh, he, he's back with, a, with his name is spelled correctly. <laughs> um, he says... Uh, he destroys them. He destroys several of the yellow manhunters. He sees Earth. He says the number of wing wielders has grown. The strike now is too risky, but I have nothing if not time to plot. He flies towards Earth. The manhunters uh, 
just uh, follow him, and that's essentially that. Uh, we do see a couple of shadowy figures in uh, in, in the. Uh, this is, by the way, all this happens on War World, but the crass locations of various paling ships on War World. Um, so on War World, we see two shadowy figures saying they're going after Mongol. We could go with them together. We might. The other shadow says, don't be foolish. With or without the Manhunters, going after Mongol would be suicide. If we're going to die for a cause, let it be our own and not Sinestro's. Uh, Sinestro says, you know, we need to go to New Korrigar. Uh, and uh, 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 Sora says, okay, but look at this mess. There's so much de- devastation and it happened all over the world. He says, there are other worlds that need our assistance. Some of this right right, right this very instance tell me, what more could we have done? Um then we see Arkillo using a uh, a uh, backhoe or whatever, a tractor to push aside debris. He's starting to clean up with some constructs. And then he's approached by St. Walker. Uh, he says, Ar- uh, sorry I'm reading a lot, but whatever. Uh, Arkillo- a, lot, a lot of this stuff is important, especially the St. Walker or Arkillo stuff is important. Mm-hmm. So, so Arkillo says, St. Walker, I see Sinestro Science Division is finished with you. Uh St. Walker says, indeed, they have. It was painful, but it is done now, and my hope allowed me to endure. Archilo says, you must understand, I knew that you had been taken. I knew that the science division was experimenting on you, torturing you, but I did not know how to help you. If I had, St. Walker interrupts and says, your apologies are not necessary. As unpleasant as my re-education might have been, I now comprehend the power of hope and its relationship to the power of fear in a way I never thought possible. I would guess others could now say the same. Uh, and all of a sudden, all the rings start leaving Wonder Woman, Black Adam, Superman, uh, Scarecrow, Harley Quinn, Deathstroke, you know, and, and everybody else who was recruited across planet Earth. And, and she says, you know, uh, Sora says, I want you to know we are grateful for your service, but these rings aren't meant for this world, not in such numbers. Uh, and uh, Lys is like, she's done, undone everything. And he says it was all, Sinestro says it was always intended to be a temporary measure. Um, and then all of a sudden, um, uh, Superman's looking after him, saying like all that power streaking off the space like fireflies. Uh, and she says, uh, he's like, you know, that felt good. There were infinite possibilities. Wonder Woman says, that is how Sinestro seduces others to his cause. We are better off without those rings, Superman. And Becca says, and yet you would fall all over yourselves to don the ring for even another second. Posture all you want, Wonder Woman. The slight tremble, the longing in your voices is evident of the truth. And, of course, we get a flashback to Becca's power as a new god. And Superman says, that woman, I think I might be in. And Wonder Woman says, me too. He goes, you too? She says, I don't think I want to discuss this with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, Becca's, you know, uh, for your love thing is still in play here. The public looks up at Sora and says, you're abandoning us? You can't leave? You, you, you can't leave Earth defenseless? And she says, you have heroes to protect you. You don't need us. They say, it's not enough. Don't give up on us. A yellow lantern. Yeah, that's what we need. You want a Sinestro core? You want the Sinestro core to stay? I never thought I'd see the day. My father must love this. Uh, all right, I'll choose a lantern from among the core to, ster- uh, to serve as our eyes and ears on this planet. He'll be this world's guardian. She appoints Arkillo. Arkillo accepts uh, with some nudging from Saint Walker. Saint Walker asks to stay behind. He is, uh, Sora is counseled by uh, Sinestro to not allow that to happen because he can be a great asset to the Sinestro core. And she says, maybe, but you asked me to lead in your stead, and that means making decisions of my own, some of which you might not like. So St. Walker is allowed to stay on Earth 
alongside Arkillo. Sinestro smiles at this, and Black Adam then approaches and says, the people of this world love you, but it was your research that woke the Pale Bishop. I wonder how these people would feel if they knew that you unleashed the Paling upon them. Such And Sinestro goes, such knowledge might change their point of view, but I cannot imagine anyone revealing this secret. And Black Adam says, of course not. If such a rumor got out, there might be those who believe you planned this from the very beginning. Uh, Lysa questions if Black Adam can be trusted. <laughs> Sinestro says, that is a fascinating question coming from you. Seth <laughs> uh, <laughs> Adam is a man, a god of honor. More than that, he is a friend. We have an understanding. We appreciate each other, and we see it close up. Uh, Black Adam still has his ring. Uh, or, let me see here. Uh, no, he was not slipped one by Sinestro. I didn't see a handshake there. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so there's that. Um, Sora and Sinestro and all the core leave, and they head off into space. Uh, and uh, next, fear her power. Love this issue. Um, uh, typically, I do not like wrap-up issues um, because there's not a lot of stuff, substance in them. But I like this. Oh, um, this was so good. <laughs> there's 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 a lot of callbacks, a lot of good characterization moments, and I will eat my hat. Somebody said something in a prior feedback segment that we had had on a prior episode about Arkillo and Saint Walker, and how uh, you know Arkillo might help Saint Walker or whatever because of their relationship from the original New Guardian series. And I had said something to the effect of, "Well, that's not going to happen." <laughs> Last episode, because, as a matter of fact, <laughs> because, because you know nobody cares about any of that stuff, and it's not going to come in. And to be honest with you, that's just me being jaded. <laughs> like I just feel completely just like that that none of this matters anymore. And I think I was letting some of my frustration from how the fact that Lost Army is not going into uh, Edge of Oblivion, and how if things that close together are are being completely ignored by one another then surely that they're not going to care about something that happened years ago. Well, I was wrong. Uh, and I'm happy to say so, because even though they don't specifically mention, have, mention have, uh, having a past together, Arkillo's fondness for St. Walker is enough that it's implied. So they don't necessarily reference it in such a way that you would need like an editor's note, like see New Guardians issue, whatever. <laughs> yes, yes. See, see, New Guardians. K N E W. I'm sorry. So, so there's that. Um, but it, it's referenced in such a way that if you read that stuff, you remember. So that's cool. I do like that. Um, I, I like the idea of Arkillo staying behind and 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 Saint Walker staying with him. I like the callback to Becca. And her little power as a new god and the love that people have for her just sort of naturally. Um, I love Superman admitting he was wrong. Um, I like the idea that now we've got Mongo on Earth and some androids staying behind to hunt him. Um, now, we're pretty sure that this series is going to end after Rebirth starts up again with, with, starts up with DC. But if it doesn't, and, you know, on the off chance we do keep going with Sinestro, which we all highly doubt, and even though there hasn't been an official word, uh, we all highly doubt, but, you know, on the extremely off chance that this thing just keeps going, that would be a great thing to see. I, I like the idea of him being out there uh, and being hunted and things like that. So that's, that's cool. 
Um, the art, fantastic. Um, I think Lysa in particular is extremely well done, not because she's an attractive woman, but just because her color scheme is so much different from the other Yellow Lanterns um, that she stands out, and she even stands out when she's actually using her ring for like an aura or whatever. There's so much black and blue and a little bit of that Sinestro gold in there that it's just... It's just cool looking. Uh, St. Walker looks kind of weird, um, but not so much that I don't like it. Uh, I still don't like Wonder Woman's new costume. Forgetting uh, all aside from Saint, the, the, the Sinestro Corps version of it, I just don't like it, so I don't like seeing it. But, you know, uh, hopefully that'll be gone uh, by the time we get to Rebirth. So, But I like Sora. You know, she clearly doesn't like being in charge of the Sinestro Corps. But she's approaching it with, um, at least I can do some good in the role, kind of an idealism. So that's cool. Plus, we get the hints towards the future of what's to come with regards to the threat on New Korrigar or wherever they're going um, that Lysa mentions there. So we get we get wrap-up, we get set-up, and we get seeds for potential things to happen down the line if we want to follow those seeds uh, with new creative teams or the same creative team in the future. Um, now, of course, it's possible that we never get back to those seeds, but if we do, we've got stories of Arkillo and St. Walker on Earth. We've got stories of Mongol, or Arkillo and St. Walker countering Mongol. That'd be cool. Well, Mongol uh, flew off into space, didn't he? No, look at it. He's going towards Earth. Oh, yeah, you're right. He is going towards Earth. So, there's that. Um, but yeah, that's that's all oh. I, I just really enjoy it. Just the the mere the mere ah oh, the mere the mere fact of I mean it just I mean I know I read it but it's just the mere fact of Mongol because because obviously what we're and we probably won't get it because the freaking book is going to end obviously they, if this book were to continue we're just heading towards the rematch between Mongol and Arkillo. Mm-hmm. Except this time, say Walker can amp him up two hundred percent. Let's be honest, if there's, as we've talked about before, Arkillo's gotten the shitty end of the stick so many times. If nothing else, how great would it be to see Arkillo kick his ass? Mm-hmm. And that'd be, that'd be the, talk about a character in a redemptive moment, plus it, plus it'd be a redemptive moment for the right reasons, too. He's not doing it for anything selfish. He'd, in fact, that could maybe be his extra motivation for being successful, because he's trying to defend this planet that he's, you know, so... Uh, I think the reason St. Walker looks weird to you is because he's actually smiling. <laughs> I think that's the real reason. You actually have a happy... Ha- this is probably the closest... Honestly, this is probably the closest thing we've gotten to real St. Walker, even though he's, he's only a few pages of characterization, which is still more than we've gotten almost since uh, the Johns era ended. This is probably the closest we've gotten to the Jeff Johns era St. Walker, period. It also helps answer our little question about whether St. Walker was brainwashed or not, because clearly he's not. He was not brainwashed. Uh, that having him and Arkillo basically be little sector partners there are great. That's a, that, that's great. You can take almost, like we alluded to last time we talked about this, you can pretty much take it to the bank. St. Walker's going to heal Arkillo's hand, so he's not so he's not going to have to have a construct hand anymore. Uh that that would now that's a series I'd sign up for right now. <laughs> I'd read for, I'd friggin even if it was a mini series. Give us Arkillo and Sing Walker. That would be great. It'd be better than the, it, be, it would be better than the main Green Lantern title right now. It'd be better than Edge of Oblivion or Lost Army. 
Even with using like in the in the in most people's opinions only like B tier characters, it would still be. Especially if Cullen Bunn was writing it, I'll take it. And Kokolo's art is so good in this issue. I mean, Sora looks great. I think Arkillo looks really good. And it does connect a lot of the it's, the connective tissue really flows well because as we've the last few issues have been pointing to how Arkillo has been embracing the role of being a hero. That first it just like was open to debate whether when somebody said, "Oh, he's, you know, you know, he, he's going to save her, so he's a hero, he's a superhero," and his eyes kind of like glow. It's like what? And you got last issue, it became perfectly clear that he enjoyed it, and the and that he was you know really really happy about. He may have been nervous about taking on the mantle by himself, but he was really really happy that you know Sora Sora picked him, and he and Sam Walker being together. That would, that's a. Uh... There was so much right about this issue in a way. Moving the Mongol stuff aside, even though that that stuff would be good if they were going to pick up on that thread sometime in the near future. If they're not, then they could then then if this was a, where I'm going with this would have been I would have written, taken that whole Mongol part out. But in a way, this almost would have been a great last issue of the series because it it's going to make a fantastic trade. Yes, because it leaves it leaves you with an, well, it leaves you with 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 open ended threads, but it wraps stuff up enough. And gets you intrigued to see what happens next, but it but it's, it wouldn't leave you high and dry. And I'm just afraid with two like one or two more issues, whatever we get in this series, that it's probably not gonna we're not gonna get much resolution in anything, especially because I think the Red Lanterns are gonna are coming in the in the next two issues. So I don't and the thing you know what I really one thing I really really loved about this issue, besides I mean it goes along with maybe part of the reason why they did this, is that you kind of got back to the idea of the prophecy or a prophecy about how the Sinestro Corps is pretty much going to buy it, you know, how the, it's not going to work out, they're, they're, they're destined to fail, that kind of thing, they're destined to be wiped out. I like the fact that Arkillo is going to be so far away from the Sinestro Corps that even if that happens, the odds are Arkillo is going to survive, that he's still going to be around, just like he was the last Yellow Lantern before, that with him and St. Walker together, that, the, that even if the, almost all the entire Sinestro Corps got wiped out again, the odds are Arkillo's still going to survive, and and he's almost been put into a safe zone, away from the rest of the core in case of some kind of massive purge or some big battle that, that occurs that wipes them out. So I, I kind of like that little subtle or not so subtle use of taking that chess piece off the board for to use later on, but because you know something might be coming that's going to really, you know, hurt or potentially put that character at greater risk if he was with the other group, or the rest of the group. So this was a this was a great issue, as somewhat disappointing issue twenty was to wrap up the paling arc. This kind of like raised, you raised everything back up again. And considering what a crappy month's worth of books this was, really in the big picture, especially Green Lantern fifty, that I really, really, really appreciated this issue. I mean, this issue just lifted me up so much, and it made took a lot of the bad taste out of my mouth for all the disappointing parallax stuff over the last few months. So Cullen Bunn, thank you very much. You do get, I mean, you, you've you been really good on this book from the beginning. It's going to be really sad if this book does end, which it seems like it's going to end because it's without question is the best Lantern, bu- Lantern book. It's probably been the most consistent Lantern book since it started. Yes, we still had Soul on Red Lantern at the time, at the, at the time and you liked Justin's run, at the, even at the end of the run on, on New Guardians a lot. I liked it too, but I thought Sinestro kind of had taken it up a notch at that point. But certainly of all the books we have now, Sinestro is the best book. It's been the best. It's the best Lantern book, period. 
and it's really going to stink for this book to go away. And Cullen Bunn's done a really, really, really good job with these characters and this and this uh, these storylines and the concept of the Sinestro Corps being in charge. So this book will be greatly. I th- I mean, I can speak for myself. Uh, hopefully, for you too, and a lot of Green Lantern fans, that this book is going to be greatly missed when it goes. And we can only hope that the two Lantern books that we get are come anything close to this good, or cons- at least consistently. Uh, and I'll say it one more time before we go into commercial break. DC, give us some goddamn Yellow Lantern action figures out of this storyline. So good. <laughs> so much opportunity. Um, all right, we're going to go take a quick break, and when we come back, listener feedback. Okay, doing the new promo. Do not say take the dare. Do not say take the dare. Okay, go. Hello, darling. Nice to see ya. It's me, J. David Weeder, the Conway Twitty of podcasting. But please, call me Dave. I host a show called Dave's Daredevil Podcast, where I talk about Marvel's Man Without Fear and Netflix superstar Daredevil. But I'm here to tell you that things have changed. Don't worry, I've still got more hornhead goodness than you can shake a billy club at and a desperado love for Daredevil. And episodes of the show still come out each and every Sunday. But now, Dave's Daredevil Podcast is part of the Two True Freaks Podcast Network. That's right, the show can now be found at twotruefreaks.com, home of Earth's mightiest podcasts. And if you haven't tried the show before, I see the want to in your eyes. So take the time to check out Dave's Daredevil Podcast, because sometimes you need a podcaster with a slow hand. Dave's Daredevil Podcast, every Sunday at twotruefreaks.com. Dot com. Take the dare. I have no self-control. Stop and listen. Stop and listen to me. Listen. Listen. Listen to me. They're not human. Everyone. They're here already. You're next. November 4th, 1988. Earth is invaded by an alien alliance composed of several species, including the Dominators, the Kunz, the Danigarians, and the Durlins. And they want our superheroes. Even though Australia has been decimated, the United Nations response is unequivocal. Drop dead. First Strike, the Invasion podcast, takes you back to that moment in time and covers the entire Invasion DC Comics crossover. Issue by issue, tie-in by tie-in. Join Bass and Siskoid at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on iTunes. First Strike, the Invasion podcast, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Remember, Melbourne. All right, guys, we are back from break, and it's time for some listener feedback. We got two emails to get to, and that's about it, but we'll get into it here anyways. We got an email from Jesse, uh, entitled GL50NSC Comic Con. Hey, guys, I just finished listening to episode 243, and as usual, I enjoyed it, even if I would do to disagree with you on a few things. I won't go into all of it now. Well, then win, Jesse. <laughs> But the short version is is that I enjoyed GL49 and 50 a lot more than you did. I was a bit disappointed that there was no real resolution to Hal versus Parallax. I'm guessing that there are bigger plans for him in Rebirth, and Venditti didn't get to say much in his fate. <laughs> uh, much to say in his fate. However, I am very intrigued with what's going on with Hal. I do agree with you about Edge of Oblivion. It's been pretty eh, whatever. I think my view of it has been jaded by the lack of coordination with Lost Army. Us two. I'm blaming the higher levels of DC editorial for that, not the writers. However, the art has been freaking brilliant. 
The pre-birth and GLGA episodes were also good. I enjoy the diversions from the sad state of DC Comics right now. Uh, not long after listening to the GLGA episode, I found out that Neil Adams is going to be at my local Comic-Con coming up in a couple of weeks, April 2nd through the 3rd. This is only the third year for South Carolina Comic-Con, and we are getting not only him, but George Perez and Ron Mars. From the world of TV, we are getting Jewel Sate, Kaylee from Firefly, not bad for a little old Greenville, South Carolina. Of less renown, but more relevant to recent issues of GL, Robert Venditti is also going to be here. Do you have any questions you'd like me to ask him, quote-unquote, off the record? <laughs> I'm certainly going to probe him about how much his influence, uh, how much influence editorial had in his storylines. Uh, he also writes Exo Man of War for Valiant, so I'd love to know how much different the interaction is. Later, gents, Jesse Stewart. P.S. I need someone to convince me to keep buying DC Comics going into Rebirth. I'm so sick of all the crap that's happening. Happens starting with Flashpoint. I'm thinking of dropping all my DC books and only buying Marvel, Star Wars, well, Marvel, Star Wars, and some independent books. Uh, Jesse, uh, a word of warning about Neil Adams. Um, don't bring a giant stack of things to get signed, buddy. He's going to charge you like 20 bucks a signature. <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely, definitely don't do that. Only bring the stuff you really, 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 really want to get signed. Um, so there's that. He'll also charge you for a photo with him. I'm not saying anything about whether or not that's his right to do so because that could get open up a whole new can of worms uh, and a debate I don't think we want to get get into on the show. But just be prepared to spend money when it comes to Neil Adams. Uh, as for Kaylee, I follow Kaylee, uh, a.k.a. Jewel Sate, on uh, Instagram. Uh, and she seems like an incredibly lovely, kind, friendly person. So I'm excited for you to get a chance to meet her if that's, you're going to be doing that. George Perez, haven't had any interaction with him, so tell him we said hey. Uh, but as for Ron Mars, definitely tell him we said hey because Absolutely. we like that dude. Um, and as for Robert Venditti, the main thing I would ask, of course, is editorial. You already, you already mentioned it. Uh, as for anything else, I honestly don't know. Um, not, I, not anything that wouldn't sound like a backhanded insult. And I, and again, we respect him. So it's not like we, we, we want to intentionally, uh, antagonize him, even, even secondhand through somebody else. Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, when I emailed him back, I did mention, I did emails to Jesse about, you know, besides the parallax stuff, which is fresh, yeah, about the emotional spectrum, the reservoir. Whether any kind of, interesting, whether like whether Robert basically had a way to, whether in his own mind he had a way to to do away with that if he needed to, or if DC like came to him and said we want you to wipe out that that finite re reservoir stuff, we wanted to go back to the way it was. Whether he already had a way of doing it in his mind when he you know he had a back door created in his, or he knew how he would approach it if if uh, if he had to do it, or or maybe even he was planning to. Theoretically, he might have even been planning to do it down the road, depending how long he was on the book. Maybe it was an idea that he had. That those are those are the things. I mean, stuff you probably would never get could never get an answer about anyway. But those are things that just you know, peering behind the curtain, you'd be curious about whether they're because often you know, oftentimes we know people when they when they when they do things, they they kind of purposely put in a way to get out of it. You know, uh, not necessarily, but sometimes they they kind of they kind of leave door a little a crack open on purpose. And, that they know they could go through and maybe 
someone else can go through down the road if they're not the ones in charge when the time comes that somebody wants to open that door. But there's not uh, there. Yeah, if if he if he you, you think he's willing to talk, yeah, I'd probably ask about if he's going to be still in the title after Rebirth. And I think we're going to know that soon, right? Because it's, it's yeah. supposed to be like in a week or so we're supposed to find out about what the new creative teams. For but Jesse may be able to get back to us before we know. We that always want to know first. <laughs> if you've got a scoop on Green Lantern, right. send it to us. It doesn't mean we're going to trust you automatically, <laughs> strangers on the internet. Uh, but uh, yeah, we always like to know. Anything else? <laughs> we'll keep his name anonymous. It's like, Hesse told us. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse told us. Uh, should I do Jay's? Yeah. Got an email from Jay, and that's, is that his first one? Pretty sure. I think so too. Well, thank you for writing, Jay, and it's in a, and it's a it's a very well thought out email too. So this this one should. It's be always fun. nice to hear back from new people. Yes, and this one should be fun to go through. So uh, you want me to do the whole thing and then we pick it apart and comment? Yeah, sure. I mean, commenting on it. I mean, I don't yeah, mean sure. critically pick it apart. <laughs> you forgot a cap. You forgot a period. No. Uh, Hi, just thought I'd chip in on February's Lantern titles. Green Lantern 49 was underwhelming. There is not much else to say about it. I'm glad Howard is not dead. So are we. <laughs> and I'm glad that they are acknowledging that Hal's mental state is less than stellar. It was nice to see him actually save the UN, but at the same time, the lack of an actual confrontation between Hal and Sonar was unsatisfying. Mm -hmm. We agree with pretty much everything there anyway. Uh, I might as well address Green Lantern 52. It was underwhelming and disappointing. Choir... Uh, the art is Tan's worst output on the title yet. It looks sloppy and unfinished, which is especially baffling since he took the previous three issues off mostly. I'm going to just go against what we just said. I had heard somebody else talk about all oh, the reason Billy Tan hadn't been doing that, doing the art so he could concentrate on Green Lantern 50, which was kind of puzzling because he had been off the book for like three months. It's like, how long did it take you to do one issue? People used people get on Ethan's back sometimes. It's like one issue, Green Lantern 50. I know it's a bigger issue. And it's not like he drew every page either. <laughs> oh, by the way, I was Googling this and I forgot to chime in. Um, Ethan Van Skyver is still credited on DCComics.com as the artist for both cover and interiors on 4 and 5. Yeah, we'll have to see that. I... Now, we, we know better, yeah, obviously. But, it, it's, but yeah. DCComics.com is still, is still putting him as the artist on the website for issues 4 and 5. Yeah. As of today. Which basically at least means that they they at least haven't officially announced who his replacement is. <laughs> or there's going to be a delay between four and five. Yeah, I doubt it because they, they he's got yeah they, I don't know I guess they might be able to push that back a month or so depending when the rebirth uh, tie-in comes out. But we know Ethan, we know Ethan's certainly off doing doing more bigger and better stuff than than that uh, miniseries. No offense to the miniseries. Uh, I assume Hal not recognizing Parallax right away was due to Hal assuming he was encountering an illusion or an imposter, since once it becomes clear that they have the same memories, Hal realizes who he's facing. Which is not actually true, because even after the memory thing, he still doesn't quite accept that it's Parallax until he hits him with the gauntlet, and he goes, Oh, that should have stopped him. Maybe he really is me. Uh, the reveal that Parallax is possessed by the entity was really sudden. His departure was equally sudden and seemed unprompt, mostly unprompted, since it didn't really seem outmatched by Hal's gauntlet gauntlet. True. Making Hal and Parallax as obsessed with Coast City as Batman is with Gotham, Gotham is a misstep. Its destruction was the catalyst for Hal becoming Parallax, but it was not the be-all, end-all of his actions. Correct. 
The last several pages of the issue were very unclear, and I st still can't really tell what actually happened. Hal expends a massive amount of energy, scares Parallax off somehow, and ends up as a construct. <laughs> he seems to be having trouble holding himself together since he looks more opaque at his head and more transparent at his feet. For an issue that was purported to bring big changes to Hal and the book in general, it was a whole lot of nothing. And I hate to say it, but it really wasn't worth the wait or the price tag. And I do wonder how much impact this issue will have in the coming months with Rebirth approaching. Will Hal go, Hal's go, uh, how will Hal go back to normal with the next two issues, or is this meant to carry over past Rebirth? I did like the pages of Jim reassuring Hal and Hal trying to reach out to Parallax. <laughs> Four pages out of 40 doesn't don't really make for a compelling read. Anything you want to pick up there? Because there's a bunch of things. No, not really. Uh, He's just sort of echoing a lot of what yeah, we Yeah, for the most part, I and mean, we're, we're in complete agreement with that. The parts you liked, we liked, and I, I yeah, the idea of nothing's ever going to, you know, that both are going to, you know, both characters were never going to be the same. Eh, I don't know. I don't see how Parallax isn't going to be the same, unless, unless Hal, Coast Hal, really does start fighting for control and starts becoming in control then maybe that character would change. Seeing Parallax actually in control of Hal, we've seen that before, so that character, that doesn't change. Hal, of course, obviously doing his little pseudo-ion thing, uh, which actually you never commented on what you thought that meant. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't have a theory, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't have a theory, and I don't... Uh, I kind of want to wait... Because I feel like at the end of fifty one, we're still not going to know. What that's <laughs> Probably about. not. And so, the... so I, I kind of want to wait until I see more than just a panel or two before, okay. before I start speculating. That's fair. I agree too because I'm not sold that it's that it's ion necessarily. Uh, but we'll find. Out. Age of Oblivion number two lost me. I just can't get interested. Another G GLC story that's full of bleakness, infighting between lanterns, and cannon fodder death. I don't believe Arisia and Badger dead. And Guy is funny, but there's not much to get invested in there. Sinestro 20 was pretty good, although the ending was abrupt. I feel like Sornik has been somewhat neglected in this title, despite her constant presence. Uh, since it seems like her development from hating Sinestro and being forced into his core didn't actually happen on panel, and her admiring him to the extent that, she, that she'd willingly take over seems like it came out of nowhere. <clears throat> it's, a, it's a shame this book is ending, but it was a nice ride overall. It has been a nice ride. I think she, while she doubts his motives, I think she sees at least what the Sinestro Corps can be. Kind of like a force for good. Kind of like that line in, in Ultron for about S.H.I.E.L.D. Is this what S.H.I.E.L.D.? This is S.H.I.E.L.D.? This is what S.H.I.E.L.D. should be or can be. That's kind of what I think how Sora now sees the Corps as something that can be for a greater good and accomplish more than she ever thought before. And obviously, issue 21 reinforces that, the way people are reacting to them and seeing them as heroes that I think that is kind of what makes Sora feel like it's worth it's a worthwhile task to at least you know, follow it out, at least for a while. Harley's Little Black Book, number two, was fun. I'm not really a Harley fan, but Hal is a flirty, happy pilot. Doing something fun and, and not miserable is something I haven't seen in comics in, in so long. I'm willing to take what I can get. Amen. Yes. Uh, the new creative teams for the upcoming jail books have not been announced yet, but I'm hoping that they'll both have writers new to Lantern stuff. The GL franchise needs a kick in the ass and something fresh, not more of the same dull, joyless mediocrity that's been plagu plaguing it for the past few years. I think having both Green Lantern books double shipping instead of just one of them is a vote of confidence on DC's part, and I hope they can deliver on their promise to focus on quality. 
I think those things might kind of go against each other, but uh, we'll see. yeah, this got a bit long-winded. No, it didn't really. We it was a good email. Uh, so I'll wrap it up. Thanks for doing the show, and I hope for the best about rebirth news. Cheers, Jay. Excellent email. Cool. I think uh, I'm a. I don't know if I agree with we. I don't know if I'm 100% agreeing with the idea of the writers for both these books should be writers completely new to Green Lantern. Only because part of what his criticism, and I think we agree with a lot of it, part of his criticism about the direction of the book, one could make the case. It's not necessarily the reason why, but one could try to speculate and make the case while we've just had. Uh, the, the writers of the two main Green Lantern books were writers who certainly who didn't have a whole lot or any of Green Lantern experience. So maybe go maybe that that is what would make me nervous about throwing somebody on. If they have a lot of Lantern experience as far as no, as knowledge, but they haven't written the book before, that could be something else. I don't. I think I'd be really nervous about bringing somebody in who doesn't have a huge ba- understanding of what's been going on in the book in general, like over the last five or six years, and then also you know, and that would make me nervous too. A double whammy of not knowing, not writing the character before, and not having a huge background in just the Green Lantern mythos. That would make me a little nervous, but again, that could be jaded because of what we've, what we've seen in the post Johns era. But, but it could be good. You never know. For sure. All right. Anything else? No. I. Oh, one. Yeah. One. One last thing. Let me. I just have to hit. No, you don't. You don't need to. You don't need to edit this out because this is relevant to what I'm doing. I, I need to hit refresh before I mention this one time. It'll take one second. As we speak, as we're rec- we're recording this, uh. But Batman vs. Superman will open up in what two days? Thursday night. And at the moment it's it's hovering at a whopping thirty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Which I well, guess is is better than it was, because I think it was like really, really low before. I think so I think something like it might have been like almost down to Fantastic Four bad before. Like it's like eleven. And it's kinda of been but it's, but over the last two hours I've been keeping an eye on this even before we recorded. It's kind of been hovering between forty one and thirty nine percent and there's a there's a big chunk of reviews in, so I'm not sure we can expect it to go super high. <laughs> so that could be uh, a little disheartening. A little I I will not get a chance to see it until March thirtieth. Uh so heads up, uh listeners, I won't get a chance to see it until next week, Wednesday. I was going to get tickets for opening night, uh but my uh you know, my uh, future brother-in-law, Gary, and, and some of that crew is, you know, obviously well aware of my comics fandom, specifically DC Comics fandom. And uh, I kind of got coerced slash talked into making sure I see it for the first time with them. So, uh, plus it'll be, there'll be free tickets anyways. Uh, so, um, I save money and I get to see it with a group of friends I, and people I care about. So, there, so I guess it's worth the sacrifice of not seeing it opening night. Um, so expect an, uh, a review after that at some point, I'm assuming. Yeah, prob- I, w- I would say we're going to, I would say we're going to do it shortly after, probably shortly after you see the movie. We'll probably record that. So won't be the next episode we record probably, but it'll be the one after that. So for sure. All right. Well, do you want to let people know how they can get a hold of us like Jesse and Jay did? Sure. Email us, lanterncast at gmail.com, and the website is lanterncast.com. Surprising, I know, but still. <laughs> uh, you, our website, we have our latest episodes posted. We have blogs, breaking news, thoughts on some, some issues, even before we get a chance to talk about them on the show. Uh, Ring Encyclopedia episodes have, have started 
bubbling back to the surface, and there's going to be more because I know Jim's going to have another one that's going to be coming out soon too. Uh, where you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and like us on Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on any of those. We are on iTunes and Stitcher, so leave us a positive review on whichever platform or both if you listen to us on both. Uh, last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN. 708-LANTERN, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. We will talk to you next time. Good night, everybody. Good night.